Bubblers, and welcome back to My Streaming Bubble. It's that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today I have back with me Laura, Eric, and Adam. And as you remember, this little group of tolerables joined me to talk all about Nicolas Cage and a few of his movies. Well, that was so much fun that they're back this time. Nope. Well, that was so much fun that they're back, and this time we're getting Swayze crazy. Hello, Tolerables. Hi. Hello. Hello. So good to see you guys again. For the most part, Adam does not have camera, so that's fine. They don't see his face. Um, So today, uh, Laura will be joining us only for kind of the beginning portion of this recording, because she is a very busy woman with stuff and things to do, so... Thank you, Laura, for taking time today to sit and get a little Swayze crazy with us. I had to get at least a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and just get, uh, just go ahead and get started. Uh, So we will be discussing a bunch of Patrick, a.k.a. Buddies, movies. So please note the episode description for the titles we talk about if you're concerned about spoilers. So we're going to kind of start with his starring roles, and then we'll work our way down to supporting roles. But to make sure we get Laura's input in on uh, at least The Outsiders, we will start with Dirty Dancing and then segue to The Outsiders and then say goodbye to Laura. How's that sound? Everyone Sounds like a plan. All right. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. All right. So Dirty Dancing, probably the one that, well, first of all, Patrick Swayze, what an amazing actor, and not just for these more well-known titles like Dirty Dancing, Ghost, Roadhouse. I love being able to do these kinds of episodes because I see things that, you know, movies and roles that I maybe never would have taken the time to see and really kind of grow that appreciation for that actor. So mm-hmm. as much as I've always loved Patrick Swayze, I have such a greater appreciation for him and his acting chops, as you would. And, you know, so again, since we're trying to get Laura in, we'll start with Dirty Dancing, his big kind of famous, soft, but also a bit of a baddie role, Mm -hmm. which he's very, very good at those. But Laura, how do you feel about this movie? So this is one of my dad's favorite movies. And it's got one of the best soundtracks ever, in my opinion. And that is what initially caught my attention in watching it when I was growing up. And then it became one of those things where, because I was a tomboy and all that, I uh, didn't want to admit that I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So I would, like, watch it in secret. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But, you know, as I, I grew up, I was like, yeah, oh, screw it. I don't care what you think. I love this movie. And then, you know, my dad and I would watch it together sometimes and stuff. And so it's it's one of those things that I have, like, a lot of sentimental feelings for. Um, obviously, Patrick Swayze, you know, does what he does best in this movie. Uh, looking great, dancing a lot, taking off his shirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he does, he does a lot of that. Doesn't on make Saturday Night Live, and sometimes he does it for you know big budget films, and and uh, it's great. Like I never really appreciated dancing before I saw that movie, and you might you might 
I guess, credit it for me being somewhat interested in that genre too. Like, you know, I've seen Billy Elliot, I've seen Save the Last Dance, like a whole bunch of different genres of dancing movies because of this movie. Um, So I really love it. Plus, I also love Jennifer Grey and I love that she's in more than one movie with Patrick's baby. That's just great because I had heard on some sort of, uh, you know, biography thing about this film that those two didn't work together very well. So I was surprised that they were in more movies together. In, In Red Dawn, they didn't get along, I think. Yeah. Uh, it w- I don't yeah. know if it was that one, and then you know, like, but I, I didn't, I, from what I understand, they didn't have the greatest working relationship on Dirty Dancing either, yeah. which is interesting because their chemistry was fantastic. Well, and they used that kind of rift that they had, and and worked with it eventually. But yeah, there was, because I think even in like that documentary, I am Patrick Swayze. I think they said that Red Dawn. Um, with Patrick and Jennifer, their first scene together that they filmed was they're kind of like antagonizing each other. And that kind of set the tone then for the rest of that movie and then carried that over into Dirty Dancing. So, which I think is because you wouldn't pick up that they did not get along on the set of Dirty Dancing or really oh, no. like Red Dawn either. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they had fantastic chemistry. And, um, you know, everybody loves that line. Nobody puts baby in a corner. That's, that's like my least favorite line of the movie. <laughs> it's like, oh, you just had to put that in there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. it's it's pretty cheesy. <laughs> but it works. It does. Yeah. It does. It does. I just yeah, I've I've never grown to like that part of the movie for whatever reason. So I actually only saw this movie for the first time a few years ago. And I mean, I had, I had heard of it and I knew it was like this classic and, and cult classic. And what really struck me while watching it is um, you had mentioned the the soundtrack. Um, all these songs that, you know, you've heard used for other things besides Dirty Dancing, like I've Had the Time of My Life and Hungry Eyes. And I didn't realize that those songs were written specifically for Dirty Dancing so um, I had heard those songs like a million times, you know, on, on the radio or used in other movies or TV shows. And, and it kind of surprised me that it has just this stellar, you know, classic soundtrack, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I got to agree with Adam on that one. And uh, probably no surprise to anybody here. Uh, the first time I actually saw this movie was actually just a couple of years ago as well. Um, I'm a very late, very late in life Swayze bloomer. Um <laughs> Um, I, uh, got actually because of Adam and my wife, I've really, it's how I've really gotten open to, uh, Patrick Swayze's work. And it actually, even though Dirty Dancing wasn't the first film of his that I've actually seen, it's the first film of his that I really fell in love with. I didn't really realize that I had previously seen him in more supporting roles in prior movies like, uh, Donnie Darko, for instance, and I've always known of Patrick Swayze. I've known who this guy is, but I just wasn't really familiar with everything that he's done. And uh, when I watched Dirty Dancing uh, with Anastasia for the first time, she was just as shocked as anybody else to find out that I was like 35 years old watching this for the very first time in my life. And I got to tell you, I went into it with very low expectations. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, because me, I'm not really into dancing. I'm not crazy about dancing. Laura but I was just made like, a face. <laughs> I made a face. Of course, Laura made a face. 
face. <laughs> That's what I mean. You have low expectations for like his most beloved movie. Well, I have low expectations going into anything, if that helps in any way. <laughs> okay. I want to be surprised later on. I don't know how to do that. Like if if I've got enough information to set expectations higher, they will be set higher. Uh, well, the funny thing is, is that I did not know what this movie was about. I literally thought it was just about a rich girl and her dance instructor. That's what I, I thought it was about. I mean, it is. <laughs> it, it, technically, of. that's the truth. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, but, but the, there's so much more to I it. Didn't, like, I didn't realize the the, the, the <laughs> I didn't realize the scale of this movie and just how personal it actually gets and just the the different subject matter that they touch up on, which, you know, things like talking about abortions, nonetheless, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, botched yeah. abortions at that, you know, fucking. It's, it's got cr- some heavy themes in it. That's for it sure. does. And I did not go into this movie expecting any of that. So it I within like a half hour of that movie. I stopped seeing this as a dance movie, basically. And I fell in love with it the first time I saw it. And I've probably seen it maybe 10 times at least since then. Oh, wow. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm happy about that. Because you're right. <laughs> it is very much a uh, music and dance movie. And it does really well at that. But it also is an excellent piece of social commentary. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, absolutely. And it helps that in my house, uh, Dirty Dancy is like Anastasia's like second or third favorite movie of all time. So that's kind of why I've seen it so much. But every time I see it, I'm like, dude, I love this movie more and more every time I watch it. So, yeah. Yeah. Dirty Dancing is one of those movies that I just I grew up with. It was always like on in the background or always just like on TV at some point. So I'd sit and watch it. And I, as, as time went on, I kind of got to the point where I'm like, I saw it so many times where I'm like, oh my God, enough, enough with the dirty dancing and the no baby Mm. in the corner and (laughs) doing the lift and all of that stuff. (laughs) And while it's not generally on the top of my list to, of rewatches to sit down and just like, I'm going to watch dirty dancing today. I do enjoy watching it. And I, I do love, I do still love the movie, but I think I had to have a period where I had to distance myself from it, from the sap and from the dance and everything. Soundtrack still slaps all these years later, but after rewatching it for the podcast, I kind of, I kind of like Laura, but now in my forties have to admit that I do this, this movie has a special place, like in my heart, in my childhood. And I, I can't help, but love this fucking movie and with regards to like the themes as a child i didn't know what the fuck they were talking about about botched abortions Mm -hmm. so i love that this movie is just kind of catered for all audiences adults will pick up on those heavier themes and kind of and and understand it and be like oh my god and and kind of get that commentary and and everything and kids will enjoy it because you have the training montage where mm-hmm. she's learning to dance, and then you have the um, the the first performance at the other uh, resort, mm-hmm. and then finally the kind of the acceptance of you know everyone's like cool with each other now except for Robbie. Go fuck go fuck yourself, Robbie. <laughs> and then and then the lift, and, woohoo, and, and everyone's lift. happy and well, yeah, it's good that you bring that up because like. How rare is it for a non-animated film, like, you know, uh, to to strike that balance where it's got some really heavy shit in it and your kids don't notice? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I That's had a good no point, idea. actually. I was just like, oh, she got sick and it's Robbie's fault. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I funny. like her dress. <laughs> it's so funny when you say that, Laura, because if you look at other movies from like the generate from our generation and our childhood, you know, a lot of the movies from kid movies from our generation when we were younger were very when we go back and watch them now, the the themes of these movies are very heavy. Like, for instance, like if you look at like Never Ending Story, you know. Oh, wow, no, that, that one I knew was heavy right away. Well, <laughs> when I was a little sad. But yeah. aside from the horse dying, I don't know. I didn't really catch uh, pick up on a lot of those heavier themes. So God, even just like the nothingness just come in and just that's dark and heavy yeah. anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but, but do you think maybe it's a generational thing now where maybe now movies nowadays, live action or animated are more toned down for children. So it's no. not as dark. I mean, you, you guys have kids, so you would know better than oh, me. You're watching no, those movies all the time. So. You no, don't think so? Uh-uh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think there's right. a different approach to it. Yes, but no, it's not toned down at all. I think it's a more, I think it's a more mindful approach to yes. broaching the subject matter for kids as well as adults in these movies. So it can be more oh. of a, a more of a deliberately shared experience. Mm-hmm. Sure. Whereas I don't think Dirty Dancing set out to be like, okay, let's make a family movie, but let's talk about abortion and people <laughs> being shitty in relationships and mm-hmm. stuff. No, right. we're we're not. Or like, let's talk about class issues. You know, we're not. I don't think they're doing that, but like. I think, um, you know, Disney kind of started that whole trend, like when they picked their subject matter, but it's, it's only gotten better over time. It's like, you know, I learned later on after loving the Lion King as a kid that it was based on Hamlet and I read Hamlet in school and then I had a whole new appreciation for the Lion King and watched it another dozen times. Don't judge me. No <laughs> judgment at all. That's cool. <laughs> but, you know, uh, like you can compare that to kids movies, family movies like um, Inside Out, right? Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. the different emotions being in control. And it, like that is really heavy subject matter for anyone. Like none of us are really movie. taught, you know, properly um, throughout our normal lives to understand acknowledge and regulate our emotions so it was really cool to see a kids or a family movie made uh, for that purpose but also be just as relevant to adults um so that's kind of where they're at now and that's definitely a tangent (laughs) so we'll go back to (laughs) i definitely need to do a pixar episode i keep talking about it i just need to find yeah but uh yeah, with, with Dirty Dancing, this last time I watched it, by the time I was done with it, I'm like, this movie is about Johnny Castle and not baby Francis. I love his name is Johnny Castle. That's such a cool name. He's got some of the coolest names in his movies. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was I, I felt it had more to do with Johnny and kind of coming around to that he's more than just a pretty face and that, you know, he's, he gets that confidence to kind of stand up and, and value himself. And he wouldn't mm-hmm. have done that without having met baby. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think he showed more growth throughout the movie than she did. I mean, she does mm-hmm. as well, but her story is just starting. Whereas Johnny, like this next chapter of his story is going to start. But I think it was a I think his his arc was much bigger and and prominent 
Well, maybe not prominent, but I think it was bigger. And I think, I don't know, better? No. <laughs> I just, I guess I appreciated his the, his character throughout this last watch. Because in watching all these Swayze movies, I'm focusing on Swayze and his character more than just the movie overall. So maybe that's why I'm just like, this is a movie about Johnny and the Catskills mm. and not Baby and the Catskills. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree right. with that. I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think thank you, Adam. The the baby character arc, she was just more just coming out of her shell as the movie went on. Mm-hmm. But even um Johnny Castle at the very end when he takes the mic, he's like, Well, I've been changed and baby kind of showed me about the person that I I am and also the person that I want to be. So yeah, I think he's got way more of a significant character mm-hmm. change and character arc than baby does for sure. And even the way he confronts her dad. Uh, at the end, like that's not something he would have done before that. He found the courage from baby to do that. Mm-hmm. And then even in that final scene, when he's lip syncing along to the to the song and he says that, you know, he's had the time of his life and he owes it all to her. That's that's it. That's the clincher. This is a Johnny Castle movie and not a baby yeah. movie. <laughs> mm. That sounded weird. <laughs> not a baby <laughs> movie. So but yeah, I love this movie. I do love the soundtrack. Um we get a little uh, wet and rainy Swayze, which we see throughout more of his movies, which I'm not complaining about. I absolutely love it. Wet t-shirt contest. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. (laughs) So before you got to go, Laura, let's go ahead and hit up the outsiders where he's definitely more of a supporting role, um, but a pretty important one. Yeah. I mean, I love this movie. I do too. And I also love the book. Uh, we read it in school before it was banned, or maybe one of the times. I don't know how many times it's been banned now. I don't know. It's on the list anyway. You should read it. Totally read it if you haven't, even if you've seen this movie. You know, the movie is is incredibly faithful to the book, and it's definitely it definitely runs you through like all the possible emotions you could think you're gonna have in a movie. It's it's a classic for a reason. And it's it's great kind of going from Dirty Dancing to this in terms of Patrick Swayze's character, because, you know, you had mentioned that it's like he already has some chapters behind him. Uh, It's almost like you could take his character and say that that's his origin story for how he ended up doing what he does in Dirty Dancing and where he goes from there. Even though I know they're different names and all that different stories are not actually related. Really. He had to change his name to truly leave that, that witness protection like, program. Oh, I've heard this before too. I, and I think, no I don't know if, I don't know if this is an urban legend, but I have heard that about Patrick Swayze's characters and his movies where, you know, like say uh, Johnny Castle, you know, he lost his job at the resort. Uh, he, the next year he gets, um, a job at the double deuce uh being a cooler <laughs> so yeah there's this theory about about patrick that Swayze's is just, characters that where it's just the same, the same guy. guy yeah oh that's hilarious so much i, I never would have thought of that too <laughs> oh i love that oh yeah, like, i wish i would have known that when watching these movies because i totally would have been like uh-huh like i love fun theories like that so but you know i swear you could totally make that argument from this outside nurse character to dirty dancing because like you know whenever you see him on screen he's like needlessly doing things like a handstand flip over a fence or a car (laughs) hood or whatever with his shirt off (laughs) 
And it's like, yeah, I could see him taking his natural gymnastic skills and street cred into this and having an identity crisis. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. But yeah, that is again, so funny. Outsiders is another one that's really heavy on that class commentary and, and how those divides play out in society, you know, sometimes violently and awfully and how people get typecast in, into certain roles and they can't escape them no matter how hard they try. So they end up doing really stupid things. And I feel like from all the Swayze movies I've seen, because I have seen some of the others as well, I just don't feel as prepared to talk about them today. But uh, I feel like a lot of his characters are like that. You know, yeah, they all show off his physical abilities because why wouldn't you? But <laughs> more importantly, there always seems to be that undertone of, I'm more than you think I am. Yes. Like, don't judge me by my cover. And, you know, Outsiders had a ton of that going on. Yeah, absolutely. Adam? Mm-hmm. Outsiders? <laughs> um, <laughs> or, so yeah. I, I didn't actually get a rewatch of, of Outsiders in for the podcast, but I, um, similar to Dirty Dancing, I actually only saw the Outsiders for the first time maybe a year ago. So it's a very new movie for me. I know one of those cult classic movies of his that I had always heard about and, and then never watched it. And I watched it for the first time and I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, um, I was a little disappointed with myself that I didn't see it as a younger, as a younger person, um, you know, maybe, maybe in my, in my teens or something like that. Cause I feel like maybe it would have been more profound. Maybe it would have been more relatable because it's, sure. you know, such a coming mm-hmm. of age story. So, mm-hmm. but I did like it. I think it's awesome. Right on. Yeah. It definitely had a transformative impact for me watching it as a kid, but I also already read the book. So I kind of knew what I was in for. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Somewhat prepared. <laughs> yeah. No, I still reacted very strongly to it. You know, I think I was like 11 or 12 at the time. So, you know, it definitely hit home. Yeah. Yeah. And Eric. So, yeah, uh, I am very new to the outsiders, newer than Adam is. So, I just saw it for the first time the other week as you all know. And, uh, you know, it is a movie that as I grew up, you know, throughout my life, I've heard of The Outsiders. I mean, there's no way you, you, you grow up in this day and age and not at least know of The Outsiders. But I've never had the opportunity to watch, to see the movie while I was younger or any time growing up for that matter. And I'd never read the book either. So when I went into watching this, I, all I knew about this movie was it had an all-star cast. Well, back then, some of these guys weren't considered superstars quite yet, but still, it had a lot of known, known people that, are, that have made it huge in Hollywood today, and that it's about two rival gangs. So I honestly thought what I was getting myself into was West Side Story without the singing. So <laughs> that's kind of yeah. what I... A kind of accurate but shallow one sentence synopsis of the movie. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know how else to what else to think about or how else to think about it when I was going into this. So, like what Adam said, and I completely, completely agree with him, is that this is something I feel like I would have a finer appreciation of had I grown up with it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Or at I the very agree. least, read the book while I was younger, then checked out the movie at a later time. At the very, very least. But I didn't even have that ha- have that opportunity. So I can't... I know when I was watching it, I told you guys like I got kind of bored with it for like the first half hour or so, or 45 minutes, whatever it was. And I got you, scalded. You triggered, and... you triggered this household. I'm like reading, reading your messages <sighs> off. Bubblers, I get yelled Tim. at more than anybody on the, pro- on the program. <laughs> It's all out of love, though. I know it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I was just, I was in disbelief. But, you know, I, I do have to completely agree with Adam, though, though. I feel like I'd have a finer appreciation and I would have had a finer appreciation of what this story is telling you in this coming of age tale of this, you know, you know, we got the three brothers, we got their friends, the game, the greasers, um, and just, holy shit, just like the, the adventure that they do go on. Um, especially after Pony Boy, I don't know, is it Pony Boy who kills uh, uh, one of the socias, or was it? Uh, um, no, it was Ralph Macho. Ralph Macho, Johnny. Character. It was Johnny, right? That was his name, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny kills so many Johnnies. There's so many Johnnies. There's there. always Jesus. a Johnny in a Keanu Reeves movie or a Patrick. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God, he even had a movie named after Johnny. <laughs> Johnny Nemo. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, it's a good one, but um. Yeah, I don't really how I don't know. This was the one movie tonight today that was so scared to come into and talk about. So I'm glad we're just kind of getting it out of the way because I didn't know what else to really say aside that I wish I would have had a better opportunity in my life to get to appreciate this movie and the book. So I could be here today having a finer discussion with you three about this. But my question to you is then what did you get out of it? Seeing both of you really seeing it later in life? Um, boy, that's a good question. I wasn't expecting to hear, be hit with that one, Laura. Hey, I'm a professional. <laughs> he thought he was just going to get yelled at. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think as a film fan, it was really cool to see, you know, out, outside of the story itself, the bigger picture of the film. I, I love all these actors that are in it, uh, like Rob Lowe, Matt Dillon, yeah. uh, Tom Cruise, and of course, Patrick Swayze. Oh, and, and C. Thomas Howell. He's, yeah. he's awesome, too. But um and Ralph Macchio so Emilio. and Emilio, Emilio so, yeah, Estes, this, yeah this movie I mean, just doesn't stop with the people that um were just launched into stardom after this movie came out to so to see really where some of them got their start um it was it was really cool mm-hmm. um and I'm also a big uh, Francis Ford Coppola fan too and I think the way the movie is shot and the way mm-hmm. it looks is unmistakable Coppola. Yep. Um, And he had just come out of kind of a a crazy decade. You know, he had done the Godfather one and two and then apocalypse now. And then right after that, he does the outsider. So it was very, it was, it was a huge shifting gears for him going into a direct movie like this. And And I thought coming from those big blockbuster movies into something a little different, like the outsiders, that was very interesting to see for me too. So that's kind of what I got out of it, you know, more than the, maybe more than the film story itself. Um, I just really enjoyed the performances of these kind of young would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think I also have to agree with that too, especially about like, about the whole thing with uh, Francis Ford Coppola, just like that. You could definitely tell this is a Coppola movie. Once you start watching it, if you're familiar with his previous work, I am definitely, I definitely agree with you there. Um, But I don't I don't think I took anything personally away from it. Like I don't think I learned any lessons watching this movie myself, but 
I, I, I do appreciate the impact that this movie has had on people's lives um, and what the story and what the story is trying to convey. And, you know, who doesn't like a coming of age tale? You know, if anything I take from it, I guess I would take brotherhood out of this movie. And mm-hmm. that's uh, that that's what the greasers really portrayed to me as this was they weren't just, you know, a gang. They weren't just like, you know, oh, we're just sort of friends who run in the same crew. The, these were like they, these guys were a family. You know, they took care of one another. Brothers taking of actual take care taking care of uh, of actual brothers, and then men who were like brothers. And I think I just got that strong sense of belonging out of this movie. You know, you may not belong in what you know in some forms of so- forms of society because they say that you aren't welcome there. But here's this group of here's this group of guys who are. Basically, from what I got out of it, welcoming as long as you're not a fucking dick, you know. Um, I guess, well, even for lack of better a words, dick. yeah, you just can't be a rich dick. You can't be a rich dick. There you go. But but yeah, but but even but even so, um, I can't remember the character, but one of the characters uh, falls for one of the uh, one of the rich girls in the who was da- she was dating one of the socias, I believe. They touch on that a little bit, like starting at the when they go to the movies. Um, so I don't know so much. It, I, I couldn't really tell if it was really the class that they were fighting against or just these assholes who happened to be from this supposed higher, you know, higher class. I don't know. It's both really. Cause we, there's, there's the one scene, uh, towards the end of the movie before the big rumble where pony boy and kind of the head of the socias, they have that moment in, in the car mm-hmm. And he's basically, and even the head social is just kind of like, basically like we're we're fulfilling our roles in a sense. Like he doesn't yeah. really want to do this. Right. Pony Boy seems like a, a decent enough kid and everything, and he's you know kind of sorry for everything that happened, yeah. but he's not going to do anything to change the course or to stand up to his group because at that time it's just kind of like, well, what's the point? And you're right. That could- you know, then then you risk ostracizing yourself from your own group. And then where the fuck are you? Because you're not going to be taken in by the greasers I suppose, if the yeah. socials have shunned you. So yeah. it's, yeah, a lot of layers to this movie. I love this movie. Again, a lot of these kind of earlier Swayze movies have always just kind of been in the background. So I, I did grow up with this movie and, you know, remember our, especially all like the big main main scenes of it. Um, total classic. But yeah, when, when Eric was like, this movie's boring. Oh. <laughs> Oh. My my husband was like, maybe he should get off his phone and just watch the fucking thing. Uh. <laughs> also, you have to admit, Eric, you got into it. Your messages changed tone. I think when you went, yeah. Uh, well my problem is is that when I go into a movie with low expectations, sometimes that's what I'm expecting. You know, I do want to come out surprised, but in and it's still my opinion, the first half hour or so of that movie, I did find to be just a little dull. I didn't think a lot was going on. And I was just like, where is this going? And then things started progressing, um, especially after the fight with uh, uh, with with uh, Pony Boy, Pony Boy Johnny and the and the socias. That's when I really started getting like kind of more sucked into the movie and then watching uh, uh, Johnny and Pony Boy's 
I don't know if I would quite call it an adventure per se, but they're hiding out. they're hiding out, you know, it, you know, and they're just trying to just avoid the cops or whatever they're trying to do, or try to avoid the socias. They just want to, they're trying to get away with it. And then Daryl or not Daryl, uh, uh, Matt Dillon's character, Dallas comes in and, you know, when he finds them, uh, kind of hiding out, you know, he kind of takes over in a way for, uh, as the, in my opinion, kind of, I saw him kind of taking the big brother role at that, you know, for them, uh, you know, trying to help them out, you know, as best as he could, you know, especially with Daryl not being around, Patrick Swayze's character, Daryl, uh, not being around to help, you know, his brother who's on the run, you know, Dallas, Matt Dillon's character uh, kind of takes up, I, f- I feel like he was trying to take up that mantle as best as he could, but he was also kind of a troubled kid, kid himself. So, um, but then like we had the whole thing with the church, but the scene with the church burning down, which really tr- truly showed that, you know, these greasers aren't such bad kids after all. They, these these people care. They do what they do what they feel is right. And in that moment, they did what they thought was the right thing to do, and that was to go in and just save a bunch of, you know, bunch of kids out of a out of a burning church. You know, and it's like it, it shows that you know, no matter what your background is, or even what your life is like, and even if you are, you know troubled or you know you do get in trouble with the law or even if you have enemies you can still be a decent person and you could do good and nice things and i think that scene is what really showed that these are just kids who are doing what they have to do but on the inside they're 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 pretty decent folk yeah and like that's all true Uh, you know i've come to appreciate the story um from a more academic perspective as well, because, um, you know, when you're, you're reading different like sociology te- texts and things like that, there are studies that have been done um, observationally or contrived uh, that do look at the differences in how people from different social classes are treated in the different aspects of society, like some focus on schools where where uh, the rich or socialite kids are given the benefit of the doubt and they usually get better grades and preferential mm-hmm. treatment. And sure. um, those that would be equivalent to the greasers don't. They get the opposite. So they're already seen as trouble before they even started. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. I feel like we could go on and on and on about this movie specifically and... I love your guys' take, and it'll all get cut because it's not relevant to Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was really curious, Eric, to get your take on it now that you had finished it and everything and to see if just exactly where you landed after this movie's boring. (laughs) So I'm glad to hear that you've come around. I would be interested to see uh, if you do any more rewatches and what little bits you take away. Well, you know what? I didn't kind of get into I didn't even know this until the day after we watched the movie because for some reason Anastasia just never brought it up to me. But she actually owns the book. Um, It's stored away in one of her boxes, but she knows she has it. So I might come around to actually reading the book first and then going back to re- watching the movie again. Cause I feel like yeah. that is the way you have to do it. Um, cause I, I really want to get a sense. Cause when I hear of a movie adaptation of a book, you know, you know, it's going to get botched in many ways, but at least nowadays it will. But when I hear something as accurate as this portrayal of the original story, 
Um, and plus, it's it's Francis Coppola. I'm sure he did it some justice. So I, I am interested now, probably more in reading the book than I am in rewatching the movie at this time because I want to see where this, how, how it came to be, how it was on film. Right on, right on. All right, and uh, so before we say goodbye to Laura, just a couple of things. Let's see. Well, I guess just one thing that I saw on the old IMD beam was that uh, Patrick Swayze coached Tom Cruise, who I always forget is in this movie. <laughs> so every time I watch, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's in this <laughs> I'm like, ew. Uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, Swayze coached Cruise on how to do the um, standing, yeah, in the fight. Uh, let's see. Tom Cruise does a standing back tuck off the top of a truck. Patrick Swayze coached him beforehand on how to do it. So, of course he did. Mm. Of course he did, mm-hmm. is all I have to say to yeah. that. And and more wet and rainy Swayze. Yep. So. I did love the story. I think that I think it was C. Thomas Howell who told the story about how when they were filming The Outsiders, Patrick Swayze uh, taught him and like Tom Cruise, I think it was, to how to how to hop trains. Yes. Yeah. So they would hop trains out of town yeah. and then <laughs> have to find their way back or work their way back and everything. Yeah, and that, so. Like Patrick Swayze would say to them, like, okay, let's go get, let's go eat at this diner now and see Thomas Hall be like, where, where the hell are we? Because <laughs> <laughs> he was just so interesting, though, because, like, why does he know that? Why does he have that skill? Oh, 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 how does Patrick Swayze oh. know how to do that? Yeah. Because he was a real life cowboy, he was. man. That he, that dude. He like taught himself how to do everything. Yeah, he he. I feel like an, I feel like being an actor was really his second career. You know, he was it was his side job, really. Well, it's clear he had gymnastics training of some kind. Like honestly, he's such an interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, he had the gymnastics, the dancing, you know, ballet. Yep. Um, and he never shied away from like doing as many of his own stunts as possible. Um, and just picking up a, picking up the skill that he would need for that character. And God, I fucking respect. Mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. And what I love the best about him with, uh, with just his, his background in dance is he never in his entire life ever felt like it made him less masculine. Um, in fact, if anything, he made it, it, it made him more, it made him more masculine. His dance made him more sexy and just, you know, it gave, it really, I think it really helped shine what the sex appeal that that man had, let me say. And after watching yeah. all these movies over the last couple of weeks, yeah, it's, it's definitely there. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is a changed man. <laughs> it's all a new crush. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, all right, Laura, well, we will let you go, but thank you again for joining us for these these two movies mm-hmm. and hope to have you back in the bubble soon. So mm-hmm. stay golden, Pony Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I will. <laughs> bye, Laura. Bye, bye yeah, Laura. Bye. Have a good one. You too. All right, now that she's gone. Um, just Woo! <laughs> All right, so let's get back to finishing out his starring roles. Sure. Uh, the next one on the list is, of course, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Oh, Roadhouse. I like this movie so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> There's not a dull moment in, in this movie. This, and I think I said in the chat, this movie is like the opposite of boring. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it just moves along at such a good pace and a good clip that, you know, it's, it's one event and then the next thing and then the next thing, and every, <laughs> everything is hilarious or action packed or has great one-liners and dialogue and, and all that stuff. It's pretty much got everything you could want out of an eighties uh, movie. Yeah. And, and Swayze. Swayze butt and and he oh, yeah, rips Swayze a man's butt. throat out. Yeah. I literally. Mean, come on. <laughs> literally. Literally. <Yeah. laughs> so awesome. Yeah, this movie is so fucking 80s and macho. Like I just don't understand how you can't like how you cannot love it. Mm-hmm. I understand the complaint about the treatment and the object objectification of women in this movie. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm not here to argue that right now today a little bit more of a product of its time as well possibly oh absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so but keeping all of that in mind and i can i can sidestep that that's fine whatever again a movie that was just always kind of in the background of my childhood (laughs) but i love this movie it is so ridiculous and yeah it's it's not boring it's action-packed and a lot of great fight scenes, a lot of fight scenes that he did himself, that big one at the end where he does rip that dude's face or throat off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you guys know because you guys watch the uh, documentary I Am Patrick Swayze, but they they got to a point where they're just like, fuck it, we'll just actually hit each other and kick I know. each other. And with the log, oh my God. <laughs> oh, and the and the blood in that scene was actually real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they they did those. They did. I think it was like over se- almost over seventy takes over the course of five to seven oh, days. God, and there's, just to get it right. Yeah, and there's like one scene where it's like right before Patrick goes to rip dude's throat out, you see on his rib cage like a band aid. <laughs> like it, there's like a little square discoloration. And you're like, that wasn't there before, but maybe oh, this hilarious. is day seven. Did yeah. not notice that, but that is funny. Yeah, so this film is among the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made in Golden Raspberry <laughs> Award founder John Wilson's book, The Official Golden Razzie Movie. Yep. Did this earned some Raspberry Awards? It, it um, did. No. It, oh, it started the Raspberry Awards. This picture was nominated for five Golden Raspberry Awards. Okay. For Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, Worst Actor, and Worst Supporting Actor. <laughs> yes. But it didn't win any, so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I think you know, it's just a fan favorite, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what's funny is uh, I made a list, just like when we did our Nick's, our Nicolas Cage uh, show, I made a list of like my top five favorite, top five worst uh, movies. And what's funny is I actually put Roadhouse in under his worst but I did put a quote next to it saying, but this was not a bad movie. And it was bad in the sense that it was just so much of a product of its time that every single cliche you can think of from 80s action movies were stuffed into this hour, almost two hour long film. Without you know? being ironic. Like they weren't trying to be ironic, I don't think. I don't think yeah. they were. They, that's the thing. But it's like Roadhouse is indeed, if you if you really though so this was my second time watching it the first time i watched it actually i think was with you adam at your uh, at, at your old apartment okay and um the first time i watched it i was just like i don't get it what's the appeal of this movie it was just it, I, what i called it i called it titties and bar fights that's all the movie was to well, me yeah <laughs> um, I, I think kind of. the appeal of to me in this movie is that throughout the course of the movie the 
the action and kind of the tit for tat between, um, you know, um, Dalton mm-hmm. and um, the bad guy, um, mm-hmm. Brad Wesley, uh, it's, it's just like this escalation that just like keeps going. Like, you know, um, especially on the, on the part of, of Brad West, Wesley, you know, there's that monster truck scene at the car dealership. <laughs> <laughs> then he blows up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was so so funny. Oh my goodness. You've got you know, insurance. and, it, and then he blows up um, uh, Dalton's uh, pad that he's staying at, and and like it just keeps escalating, you know. And, and I think that's why the movie works so well. Yeah, and and I have to. I think I got to agree with you. I mean, it's the right kind of cheesy with the right kind of action, but there is a there is a good story in there. It and, is. And, you know, I don't think the first time I watched it, I really was super – I don't. I think one reason why I wasn't so impressed with it the first time is because I didn't really pay attention to what was going on. I was just so just focused on just the visions, the visuals and everything that was going on on screen with all the fighting and the titties, the titties <laughs> you know. It's just – and Patrick Swayze literally ripping a guy's throat out just after he got hit in the hit in the ribs with a log. Um, just all this stuff is going on. It's I think it, you can be forgiven when you're watching it for the first time for realizing for not realizing there's actually a real story going on in the background. Well, and I uh, think I think what happens is that people, everyone here, you hear the the name Roadhouse and automatically you know it's Patrick Swayze and bar fights I think people forget kind of like the overall theme and it's like this one dude has like a death grip on this town Mm -hmm. and it's really about kind of fighting that corruption and that greed overall Mm -hmm. and so it's it's much you don't realize it until kind of you're done but it it has more to do with that than just like a punch him up and movie, and it's so cool that you point that out because that's still things that we actually that that's real life shit though. They may have made it uh, seem a little uh, a little animated in the movie per se, Just but there, is, I mean, that is that's real world shit that's happening with you know just in, with big business coming in and wanting to take over everything, and then here's our here's our hero, you know, mm-hmm. the guy who's going to come in and. Save the day, basically. But he doesn't, he's not the one that really does like the saving in the sense that, yeah, he beats the shit out of Brad Wesley, but he doesn't kill him. I was kind of half expecting like a Mr. Miyagi nose honk uh, when he was about (laughs) to like throat grab Brad Wesley's character, but he doesn't because his character is still zen as fuck. Like his character isn't out looking for fights. No, and, and you get the sense that Dalton he's a reluctant hero in this movie. And um, by the time he, he gets the job at the double deuce, I get the sense that he doesn't even really want it, but he's just been doing this job being a cooler at these various bars um, Mm -hmm. and clubs for so long that it's all he knows how to do. And, you know, after he gets hurt, there's that scene in the hospital where the doc is kind of like rattling off all his injuries, like this many broken bones and a steel plate and blah, blah, blah. And and he's just like, Oh, just another day at work kind of, Mm -hmm. you know? So he's totally, I feel like he's kind of over it, but it's the only thing he knows what, how to do in his life anyway. Yeah. So, 
I love that he was smart enough to negotiate healthcare into his cash deal. That's like my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Smart motherfucker. Because yeah, after one fight, that's what he does. He goes straight to the emergency room, and that's when he meets Doc. And that's like, mm-hmm. see, when you have healthcare, you can just go to the doctor when shit's broken. Mm. It's smart because working at a bar anywhere today, you're not going to get a health plan. So. No, not at all. Uh, I want to just point out my favorite line in the movie. Is Wait, when... is it? Can can I guess what it is? Yes. Is it pain don't hurt? No. Oh, okay. That's mine. <laughs> that's, a, that's another good one, though. So it's because <laughs> it's, it's so utterly fucking ridiculous. But one of the some goon is like, she could stuck, suck start a Harley. And I just busted out laughing. So I was like, while quite complimentary, I don't actually think that's how Harleys work. But that was that was a line that was uttered, and I could not fucking stop laughing. So it's like a perfect indication of just like the over the topness and the ridiculousness that this movie has. And she is. can suck start a Harley. She, how is that possible? Yeah, I can't picture it. <laughs> I don't know, but add, but but add another word in the two or the word or two in there, then you got a you, you got you got a really good tongue twister going on. Yeah. 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 So I just, yeah, I, I love this movie. It's Patrick playing one tough, tough motherfucker while also demonstrating what a tough motherfucker he truly was. And just remember the toughest thing you could be about a tough motherfucker is just to be nice. Just be nice. Yeah, that's true. Nice. Mm -hmm. From a person who works in the customer service world, I could tell you that being nice, people don't always like that too much, Nope. but the... The softer you get, the louder they the louder they get, or I should say, the louder they get, the softer you need you should get. And I think that's kind of when he was talking to the group, uh, talking to uh, everyone at the Double Deuce about you know how they're going to move forward with uh, you know with their customers and you know be nice until you can't be nice anymore. That I, I kind of took that as far as like, wow, I feel like I'm doing this in my everyday life with my job. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you really have to. Be nice. And there is no time for you to just not be nice anymore. You you have to. I'm so sorry <laughs> for it's you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that level of customer service work, oh, is it's it can be a lot. Uh let's see. One thing I did read was that um so when Dalton first shows up at the double deuce, he stands at the end of the bar next to a post. Mm-hmm. Apparently on the post it's carved Buddy's Corner, as Buddy was Patrick's nickname. Oh, he, it was because Buddy is what his dad went by, and he was just such an his little buddy, his little buddy. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, and I'm like, way to kind of immortalize him. Yeah, and you know, just to point out also really quickly here, uh, there were s- some fairly big names in that movie. I mean, a lo- I think a majority of the cast were just were kind of unknowns but there were some fairly decent big names in there sam elliott was oh, in there man. he's so oh. good in it oh, as wade get it yeah, and he yeah. Was a, <laughs> uh keith david um yeah. who's yep. just a legendary actor i don't know if you guys know who this is but you might uh terry funk who is a legendary hardcore wrestler from the from the Japanese oh, I didn't circuit, know that. he was so Terry Funk was the first uh, uh, bouncer at the Double Deuce that got fired oh. by. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, so that's him, and he is a world famous wrestler. Um, so kind of cool, and I thought this was cool, but um, and I don't know if I'll pronounce your last name correctly, but 
Kathleen uh, Wilhoty, Hoity. Um, so she was also in the show Gilmore Girls, played Luke's sister. So yep, I just thought that was, I thought yeah. So I thought that was just kind of cool to see her in there as well. Kind of kind of explains Liz. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> but but yeah, great cast of characters. Fun pe- fun movie to watch. Um, and I'm glad I watched it again. Um, because had we not had this podcast, I don't know if I would have given Roadhouse a second chance. And now that I have, I will definitely watch it a third time. Oh yeah, it, I feel like it's ultimately rewatchable. And and I know um, it was mentioned earlier that it's it's kind of got everything in it that an 80s movie should have in, in terms of like the tropes and everything like that. And it came out in, in 89. So I feel like it really was kind of like an 80s movie capstone, yeah. you know, an end to that decade of, of this type of movie. Not, not to say that the early nineties didn't have movies like this in it, but it's it, it like really the macho did. man movie sort macho of Macho man movie. It's, it had like the martial arts mm-hmm. montage yeah. and like, and like um, macho man without being like overly thick, like not yeah. like Arnie yeah. big or that's you know, true. It wasn't right. like an action star type yeah. of movie, but, but yeah, and, but it is a movie. I feel like I couldn't imagine anyone else besides Swayze playing Oh gosh, Galton, no. Yeah. no, not if they if they ever choose to remake Roadhouse, I don't know if I could give it a chance. They were gonna try to and do a gender bent one with Ronda Rousey, but that I, oh. I guess ended up being uh-huh. scrapped. I think I read that because I I had heard that they were thinking about doing it. I never followed up to see if it was actually going to happen because I didn't really yeah. care. But apparently, it the they scrapped it after she lost some big fight or something. But I'm. I, I, w- I think a gender bent would be very curious to see. I don't think it'd be good. God, fanboys would go. Cr- uh, oh true God. fanboys of this movie would go fucking insane. Don't set yeah. me up again on the toxic, oh, well, toxic fans. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. One other note is that I guess Patrick Swayze reportedly agreed to do this movie so long as he could keep any and all of his wardrobes once filming was completed. He had tried to make a similar deal for Ghost, but his agent wasn't able to secure the deal. So there's this scene where he goes to Brad Wesley's while Brad's like eating breakfast. Yeah. Patrick's in that kind of brown, like flowy baggy kind of suit. Like it's not a suit jacket per se, but I, when I was watching Donnie Darko, it said that Patrick wore a lot of his clothes from the 80s. Yep. And oh, no kidding. I didn't, I didn't pull up a side-by-side, but I was like, that suit looks awfully familiar to the one he wrote, he he wore in Roadhouse. So yep. if, if he did, I think that's awesome and just kind of makes looking and for those I re- tiny Easter eggs a lot of fun. I read that exact same thing. So I know, I'm pretty sure that is a fact. And the reason why he actually would did that for Donnie Darko, I found out was because he wanted to give the idea, the the feeling that this motivational speak, this creepy motivational speaker was also out of touch with his wardrobe as well. Oh, so that's cool. what kind of also gives him a little bit of a creepier vibe. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it certainly did. But yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and move on to Ghost, his other big rom, oh uh, oh, romantic, Sam. yeah, romantic movie. Um, I did not get a rewatch of this in, uh, but again, so fucking familiar with it. I think I'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Adam, why don't you start us off? Ghost. What'd you think? How much oh, do you I- love it? I love this movie. Um, I remember watching this movie as a kid. So. Uh, my mom worked at um, a library uh, when I was a kid, and she used to bring movies home all the time, just on VHS. 
uh, from the library. And this was one of the movies that I remember she brought home. And um, I think in a similar way to Dirty Dancing, um, there's a lot of adult themes here, but it's also something that a kid can enjoy because I certainly did as a kid. But then um, as I got older and rewatched it, I definitely noticed a lot more of the adult stuff. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, Whoopi Goldberg's um, character, Oda May, uh, you know, she's kind of a fraud, kind of a, a lot more of the details about what actually went on with Carl and why Sam got killed. I, as a kid, I don't think I understood that, that, you know, they were laundering money and, and it was all about that. Um, I didn't get that as a kid, but, um, you know, upon further rewatches as an adult, that part of the story really came into view for me. And, you know, the fact that Sam Weed got killed over, over $4 million is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love this movie. I think it's just great. It's just a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Patrick Swayze is, is amazing in it, but as is the rest of the cast, you know, Demi Moore would be Goldberg is, is really, they're really great in this movie too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of my favorite Swayze movies. Definitely. Right on. Eric. Yeah. So just like every other Swayze film in my life, I was a late bloomer on this one too. Um, I just saw Ghost for the first time about one or two years ago. Um, oh. I know, dude. I know. I was Shock. expecting at least maybe like five or seven, but okay. I know. I know. <laughs> um, well, judgment? I grew up with some weird movies in my house. My mom was really into like you know, filmed versions of Broadway plays. And she liked very lighthearted stuff. She didn't like stuff that included murder, which is so weird now, because if you watch the stuff my mother watches today, you would never guess that's how how it was back then. (laughs) She's like a big Breaking Bad fan. Oh, man, she's huge on Breaking Bad. Squid Game is like her top streaming. No, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But yeah, anyways, um, so I just got introduced to Ghost very recently in my life within the last two years. Unlike the other movies, I had fairly decent expectations going into this just because uh, I'm a Demi Moore fan. I love Whoopi Goldberg, and it's fucking Patrick. So so at this point, I have not been disappointed yet, really, by that uh, that much. So it's a very touching story. And, you know, overall, we're looking at two different kinds of films here, I think. We're looking at a love story. And we're looking at sort of a revenge tale, um, but not fully, not 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 to the fullest extent. Um, Patrick Swayze is more along the lines of trying to investigate what ha- why this happened to him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and make sure that Molly's okay, really. It, right, exactly. Yeah. Making sure that his uh, making sure that uh, his girlfriend is safe, is safe as safe as she can be. Well. Uh, uh, with everything that's going on. But, you know, as much as I love Swayze's performance in this movie and how fucking awesome I, he portrayed this character as Sam Wheat, the thing that made me fall in love with Ghost really was Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not going to sit here. This isn't Whoopi's show, so I'm not going to sit here talking about Whoopi Goldberg too much. But he made her look so good in this movie. Like those two played so well off of each other. Yeah. I'm yeah, surprised they did. they did not do anything else together after that, or at least not to my knowledge. Um, they made such a great team. Um, Whoopi was made funnier in that movie, I felt, because of Patrick Swayze and the presence that he brought on screen. I mean, he was just, I don't know. Um, he, he, he really just embodied this 
what you, I guess you would consider just to be a, a good person who's had a bad thing happen to them. The thing that the worst thing possible that this good guy, this good person just did not deserve, you know, and good people have undeserving things happen to them all the time in this world. And I think we saw a story about that of a good man who had just, he didn't deserve to go to die. He didn't deserve to, to be betrayed by his friend like that, especially for money of all things, you know? So yeah, uh, ghost is a great, is a great tale. Um, an amazing cast. And I just love the fact that um, I love that even late, watching this later in life, that it, how well it still holds up today, you know? It it does, yeah. Even the visual effect shots, I think, are awesome. Still, it still you know, looks great too. And, and who doesn't get teary eyed now at the end when he tell mm-hmm. you know when he tells you know Demi Moore's character that you know when he loves her and she says ditto back at him you know who doesn't just get you know you see the the, the, the you know the emotion in Demi Moore's face the tears rolling down her eyes and she says ditto and you see that little smile come on his face it's just like man that got me right in the feels you know yeah. every and every single time if you're not if you don't if you're not feeling emotionally uh, just whatever uh after you see that if you're if you're not feeling that scene then i think you need to seek some psychological help because that is a, <laughs> that is a hell of a that's a hell of a scene it's heavy stuff at the end there yeah it is yeah. it yeah. is another classic I, I do love this movie i love the story again you pointed out the way uh patrick and and Whoopi worked off each other and i think you're absolutely right they did such a good job. I don't know if they got along really well on set or anything, but you but they 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 had the right chemistry to make those two characters work. Yeah. And um I love, you know, we see that kind of softer side of Patrick without any kind of overt machoism. And that's oh, exactly yeah. that's the thing too. This is such a, this movie is so far apart from so much other, a lot of the other roles he's ever played prior to this, you know. And he was up for an, he was up for an Emmy nomination for this movie. Um, I think that it may have been his first Emmy nomination. I'm not 100 percent certain about Oscar that. Oscar nomination. Probably. Yeah, Oscar. I'm sorry. Uh, That's Oscar. right. Uh, but um, and it's funny that you mentioned the thing about the potential chemistry off camera between him and Whoopi Goldberg, because as I was looking up some fun Patrick Swayze facts, Patrick Swayze was the one who recommended Whoopi Goldberg for the role. Oh, no kidding. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. I saw that Oprah had actually auditioned for this and didn't get it either. Oh, so. really? Yeah. I think Whoopi works better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess there's also going back to the theory before about how Patrick Swayze's character goes from uh, is basically all the same person going from one job to the next. I guess there's also a theory about how Whoopi Kohlberg's character from this movie actually ends up being the nun from Sister Act. Um, <laughs> Like they're the same person. I I won't get into details because I don't know the details of it, but I heard that somewhere and I thought it was kind of clever. I love that. I could, I could kind of see that. Yeah. What a, what a classic. All right. Well, very good. Well, let's go ahead and we'll sashay on over to, to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie. Newmar. I love this movie. This is definitely a movie. I sat down and watched a lot, like, on purpose. It's, to me, Patrick becomes Vita Boheme. 
Mm-hmm. And I think he does an amazing job. Uh, John Leguizamo and Wesley Snipes also do an amazing job. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just kind of love this idea that when this movie came out, it was like, let's find some of the big name macho type stars and have them play drag queens. And But they do such a good job that you just kind of get lost in that and you almost really believe that like Nagzima is Nagzima. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I also feel like this is like if Disney were to try and do like a, a drag queen or LGBTQA movie. Yeah. Because it glosses over so much stuff. We talk about heavy themes in these family friendly flicks. Like this one goes on specifically about Spouse, it has spousal abuse, the dangers that, you know, these drag queens and LGBTQA people faced, the bigotry, mm-hmm. the homophobia. It's like Vita's always so concerned about Chi-Chi and Chi-Chi kind of running off and just wanting to enjoy her life. But yeah. Vita's always like, she's going to get herself murdered. She's going to be a dead, you know, and these comments are made like from the moment they get stopped by Chris Penn, kind of all the way like throughout the movie, there's this looming threat to their safety always but it's just comments kind of made in passing there's just it's nothing that's dwelled upon and then at the end you know the the drag queens they chase the bigot out of town they chase chris you know they make him feel a fool and the town's all rallied around behind them Mm -hmm. and it really is just like these as they called themselves these fairies came to save this town and and then Chi Chi wins the big crown at the drag awards mm. or whatever. And all I could think is just like this is this is a Disney does drag movie. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, but but yeah, I feel like if Disney had actually done it, it wouldn't have the the realism to it that this movie did, I think. All those risky things and um all the dangers that you pointed out. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so great. Yeah. I love it. And it's got some really awesome um stuff peppered in it besides the lead roles it's got you had mentioned chris penn as the sheriff as like the bigoted sheriff i think he's awesome it's also got that scene with robin williams oh that's right oh yeah before they leave yeah i thought that was really good um and i i didn't see this movie maybe till five years ago or so so i um i was relatively new to it up until uh you know the last five years um, and I, I just loved it the first time I saw it. it. It's just so much fun. And every scene looks so cool. And um, yeah, I, I think it's just great. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think out of, all, out of all of Swayze's movies, everything he's ever done or anything he's ever been featured in, I actually found this movie to be literally the most colorful. Yeah, uh, literally the most there colorful. Was, there There's so really, much eye candy. There yeah. was, and like you were, you're drawn to the screen. Not even when he just, even even when he's not off screen, you know. Even if it's just John Leguizamo's Chichi on on screen, you know, um, or you know Wesley Wesley Snipes. Uh, uh, um, oh my Noxima. god, Noxima, Thank you very much. Jen literally just said the name too. You know, even when Noxima is on the screen, you know, there's. So so much color and i just love how how it draws how, how eye drawing it is there was a great i mean there's a, a there's a there's a really deep story going on there with the you know uh with, with these three women who are just 
who just trap, you know, end up in this, uh, you know, I, you know, obviously in the, in this, uh, little, little ho-dunk style town, but I kind of love the message of just kind of like the, the transformation that they, that the people in the town make, I guess you could say, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess acceptance, um, and, uh, just really appreciating these three women for who they are. And we, as the audience really get a sense of that too, especially I think with the character of Chi Chi, because Chi Chi is the one who I think is getting shit on the most throughout the entire movie. Um, but I think that's just John Leguizamo in a nutshell with anything that he's in for the most part. I like that they at first just kept referring to Chi Chi as the little Latin boy in a dress. Like they wouldn't yes. even acknowledge yeah. Chi Chi as a proper drag queen. No. Well, they explain that and, and yeah, yeah, they explain they exactly what makes a drag queen. I think it was Wesley Snipes mm-hmm. that that did it. And honestly, maybe I didn't even understand until that part of the movie. So um, I thought that was really great, too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, and I think this movie, it's not that this town wasn't ready to accept them. They've just been so just sheltered and off in their own teeny tiny little colorless town, just yeah. dusty and drab. And and all of a sudden, these larger than life personalities come in and they show yeah. them like decor- redecorating their yeah. little room with all their scarves and everything and a nice quick little montage and it makes it bright and colorful. It's their idea to really zhuzh up the strawberry festival and add oh, yeah. add little things here to the the one like little cafe and from uh-huh. just like little side tables and just and then Nagzima just spending time with that one little old lady and they're just like, oh, she's kind of nuts and she doesn't speak. And and it's not it was just more about like bringing these people out of their shell and kind of into the world a bit, mm-hmm. not like out there, out there, but just out of their homes and yeah. just enjoy even these tiny festivals and make them worth more than just bake a pie, bring it out, eat the pie, go home. Mm-hmm. Also, where the fuck did all those picnic tables come from there's more that's picnic tables than people in that town i like that and, that's your gripe and flowers the and the flowers yeah that is funny no i love this movie. i don't think and, i even thought about that when i was watching it it just didn't even hit me if this is the first time i've ever thought about it i don't remember having that thought pop in my head when i used to watch the shit out of this but yeah, yeah all of a sudden they've got like 50 picnic tables mm-hmm. where are you storing all that shit come on now right um, for sure oh but even the way like vita helps the one kind of clothing store boutique kid with his stutter and just making oh, yeah it, and just mm-hmm. the way that he plays that scene patrick plays that scene with that kid as vita the kid's got that stutter and she stands there and she waits and she's patient so he can get through his sentence and then just helps him you know gives him the little makeover here's this book it helped me out a lot i didn't write down what the book was i can't remember but i i thought that was it was subtle but very important to show that she did not try and rush him or cut him off during his stuttering which is i think something that that character and maybe people with stutters kind of need more is that patience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was just such a small moment, but I'm like, God, I loved that. I Patrick is Vita Bohem in my eyes. Yeah. 
always will be. I think he he plays that role so fucking well that even in later roles and even going back and watching some of his other movies, I see glimpses of Vita. And I'm like, there she yeah. is. She's always been there. <laughs> well, that's cute. <laughs> um, this movie also has Beth Grant, who will later star, uh, co-star with Patrick in Donnie Darko. Okay. But oh. I, I couldn't yeah. help. But oh, that's ch- right. I couldn't help but chuckle to myself because I was like, well, there's Beth Grant. And we can really see her commitment to sparkle motion. Oh, my God. She's <laughs> she's been in so much stuff, though. She's she's one of those character actors that you just recognize her face in yeah. so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She's really yeah, good. She was in speed. She was one of the ladies that tried. to. Yeah, yeah she was on the, she was on the bus. Cool. Yeah. That's right. So oh. I love her. We had a small back and forth on on Twitter a couple years ago. I had tweeted out about Shit's Creek and how much I loved it, and she responded with something like, "Oh, it's so good." And, and then I think I responded with a pun, and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> Beth Grant's like, "Okay, I'm done with this person." <laughs> Probably <laughs> understandable. <laughs> uh, that's good. All right, so we'll go ahead and continue on, and this time with the next starring role. We'll go ahead and hit the classic point break. Yeah. All right. So is this a new one for you guys as well? No. No. <laughs> no, not at all. So I besides maybe like the original Indiana Jones trilogy, Point Break is probably in my top five movies that I've seen the most times. Like I've I've seen this movie so many times. Um, and because of that, or maybe the other way around. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it, it might be one of the best action movies that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. There's something about the movie, the way that Catherine Bigelow filmed it, where there's all, something is always in motion, whether it's the surfing or the bank robbery scenes or that foot chase scene mm-hmm. um, or the skydiving. There's, there's not a still scene in this movie, even at the beginning of the movie, when Johnny Utah is um, uh, walking through FBI headquarters with McGinley, uh, they're they're walking like the camera follows them. Like this movie is this movie just never sits still, and I think that's why it's so successful as an action movie. It's just got so many awesome set pieces and scenes. But um, I mean, I, I could go on and on about this movie, but I just think the the chemistry and the dynamic with um, Keanu Reeves as Johnny Utah, and then. Swayze as as Bodie is is just awesome. Yeah. Um I there's nothing that I dislike about this movie. I think it's just great. Um I think it it holds up still today. Um and is probably more interesting still than a lot of um the action movies that come out today. Uh nothing against Marvel or anything like that, but um you know, I just think this movie is very unique in in that respect that it's just a a really cool interesting story too. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about it? Eric? I love this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I could go into deeper details as Adam, like Adam can, because Adam has seen this movie just as many times as you've seen Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> Is that true? Have you seen Suicide Squad a million times? Oh, my God. I, I, probably a ridiculous, I just spit all over, but a, a ridiculous amount of time since it first aired. And now that after this, I'll have a bit of a, a pod pod prep break so Ad, or eric you know what oh yeah be first on the i know i know where this is going right away well, and we just finished peacemaker the last night too so 
I'm like all about that whole don't say don't say nothing kind of thing I, of building that I, they're doing. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, but no spoilers, but no no spoilers here for that. But uh, in regards to Point Break, you know, I, I've seen it plenty of times where I know I love this movie. You know, and you know it's weird because when when you hear the word like if we're talking about a, an actor or, and we you use the word peak, sometimes I feel like using the word peak means like they've never done any better than this, and I think sometimes that is kind of wrong. Like, I don't think saying just because this is a peak point in someone's career that it's just all downhill from here because Swayze has gone on to have much success since point break. But in my opinion, I think up to this point in his career, this was peak Swayze. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's coming off, you know, roadhouse only two years earlier than that, or, you know, maybe a year and a half, something like that. You know, a few years out from uh, uh, Dirty Dancing and Ghost is coming up in his career just a couple years, just in a couple years after this, along with Tu Wong Fu. But this movie is when I think Patrick Swayze, I think Bodhi. That is the character who comes to mind first before any other character. And it's because Patrick Swayze is just something about the guy's overall persona. I feel like maybe aside from the bank robbery part, which I'm sure in real life he would have been very capable of doing anyways. But aside, if you take out the 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 bet, you know the bank robberies, I feel like Swayze embodied Bodie and what Bodie stood for, and just like the living in the moment kind of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I know Bodie's supposed to be you know, the, the lead villain in this movie, but he's just so likable. It, it, he it's, is. It, it's tough. This movie's tough because you kind of have in my eyes, two good guys. You've yeah. got, you've got Keanu Reeves, you know, playing the undercover FBI agent. And then you've got kind of Bodie and his gang and Bodie's gang. I feel like are the true real bad guys, but Bodie is kind yes. of, he's a leader. Yeah, he's a leader, but he's just so likable. You know, there's something relatable about. Well, about he, him. he's so confident, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Bodhi is so confident, and he 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 has that 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 confidence of a real leader. And yes, I, I think he knows what he's doing with the with, with these guys. I you know, and robbing the banks. I think he knows it's wrong, but he doesn't do it for the money. He does it for the thrill, and that's what Bodhi is out for. I feel like he's always wants. He always wants that next, you know, that next high, you know, um, which is where again. Well, uh, correct me here, Adam. Um, is it fifty or a hundred year wave? I think they said it was a hundred year storm. Yeah, a hundred year oh, storm. Okay, 50. yeah. At the at the end, I thought it was Keanu had said that. Uh, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe 40. it is a fifty year storm. Uh, uh, HBO. I think it's HBO. They had a documentary like yes. hundred foot wave. Yeah, oh, okay. which my husband and I watched that a while ago, which was very kind of interesting. That whole kind of surfer looking for that next big wave kind of mentality. So I didn't look it up, but I was like, I wonder if this like fifty foot, fifty year storm is somewhat uh, related or a bit of a kind of a shout out to hundred foot wave. But I don't remember. I didn't look it up in details or anything, but it did seem fitting with his character. Um. So here's a cool fact. There is a beach. Uh, oh, God. I didn't write this down. I'm really sorry. Actually, I might have to come back. I'll come back to this. I'm going to look it up. But there is basically this uh, uh, this beach. I can't remember where it is, where they have this invitational once a year 
whenever the biggest storm uh, of the year is coming to that area where it's going to cause the largest waves, it's an invitational that the city where this beach is held, basically they invite some of the best surfers around the world to come okay. and, and participate in surfing during this time of year, whenever that's going to be. And they actually have named the uh, event uh, the 50-Year Storm Invitational after okay. Point Break. Um, I, I, I'll look that up and see where it is. I forgot. But um, I thought that was really, really awesome to find out. And uh, I, one other thing I guess I want to say about this movie. I guess there's like a hundred other things I want to say about this movie. But every single character that Patrick either interacted or even did not have a direct interactions with on that on screen. I feel like everybody was made better in this movie because of Patrick Swayze's presence in the movie. Because everybody did their roles, I think, immaculately. Oh, yeah. Gary Busey was even amazing yeah. in this movie. Shout, shout even... out to Gary Busey for Pappas. Yes. Pre-head pre injury Gary Busey. Oh, I enjoyed... I forgot how much I enjoyed watching him work before he a had his brain injury. He's so good in this. Yeah, and Lori Pe and Lori Petty yeah. is insanely good in this movie too. She's really know? good in this. And uh, you know, and then like you got like a guest appearance by Anthony Kiedis of all fucking people. You know, <laughs> oh, he was and, like scary in this one. Oh my god, he was that, frightening him and yeah. his whole entire gang. Oh my gosh, it's yeah, just, they were they were the scary. The, they were like the the meth um, dealer ones, right? Yeah, yeah. they were. And, yeah, and in that uh, undercover bus that Keanu Reeves um, yeah, did, where yeah. Tom Sizemore was the undercover DEA guy that got really pissed because he blew oh, his cover. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because he busted it, them because he was doing a surveillance. Because on them Johnny for like years. Utah thought that they were the president. They were the ex president. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I wish I could sit here and just like break down, you know, what scene I thought was great or what stood out in this movie. In a, in a film like this, it's very hard when you have so many things working so well. Not just with Swayze, but with everybody who is putting their blood, sweat, and tears into this mm -hmm. movie. And like I said, in Catherine Bigelow as a director herself, holy shit. I mean, just her resume alone speaks numbers. Well, and I don't think anyone shoots an action movie quite like her and, and James Cameron. So they were, I guess they were married at the time when um, the script was written for Point Break. And um, Cameron helped out with the script a bunch. But um if you look at their action movies, I think they've both got a very similar way of shooting action scenes and especially um, scenes that involve uh, gunplay, where it's, mm -hmm. it's very visceral. Um, mm -hmm. Point Break is a great example. Terminator and Terminator 2 um, are really good examples uh, for Catherine Bigelow. I don't know if you guys have seen um, Strange Days and Blue Steel. <gasps> Strange um, Days was one of my all-time favorite movies back in the day. And that's the movie that uh, I fell in love with Angela Bassett. Oh, she's just so badass in it. So fucking um, badass in that. Uh, yeah, Strange Days is amazing. I kind of don't know what happened to that movie. <laughs> I feel like I that's either. a cult movie that no one knows about whenever I bring it up. I think you um, I think you had me watch that with you one time, didn't you? I feel like we watched that together. Yeah, Julia Maybe we Lewis, did. one of uh. the Fines brothers. Um, was it Ralph? No, yeah. Ralph. And uh, yeah, Angela Bassett. And then the also one... Tom Sizemore is yes, in that one. Yes, that's yeah. It. Oh, that's okay. Yep. So Love yeah, that movie. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like Catherine Bigelow just had this string of 
of movies in the late eighties to, to mid nineties that were just so awesome. Uh, if, if you haven't seen blue steel, um, I think it came out before point break, but it stars Jamie Lee Curtis as this rookie cop. Um, and sh- it's really good. It's got some really good action oh, scenes in yeah. it too. Oh, nice. so I kind of okay. remember that, out. that movie. Yeah. Right on, right on. Uh, Jen, what did you think of point break? Hated it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so boring. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, it's it's a great movie. I love this movie. I love kind of that conflict that, you know, the the reason why my husband doesn't care for this movie is the iconic scene of uh, Keanu firing his gun off into the air. So oh. I love that it's got these kind of layers of confliction between, you know, him being a good guy and mm-hmm. Swayze being the bad guy, but also like this respect and almost like admiration that... Uh, Johnny Johnny Utah uh, has for Bodie, and yeah. that that's kind of one of my favorite things. And just in going into this movie, all he could think was like they've had, like almost like a, a romantic comedy action movie, but between Johnny and Bodie. I agree with sure, you. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think Johnny and Bodie's romance in quotes definitely eclipses the one with with um, Johnny and 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 Tyler for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love Lori Petty and it was, it was just kind of nice to see her in this, just someone that on a totally superficial level, she always pulled off that short, you know, manic pixie girl haircut and kind of characters and everything. And I just, I've always loved that about her. So she continues kind of doing a bit of that type ish of a role, not so out there, but I enjoyed seeing her, like I said, Gary Busey, uh, Dr. Cox. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's McKinley. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, this is this is just a it's a fun movie. It's a fun, like I said, romantic action comedy movie between uh, yeah. the, the, your two main leads. And then kind of through that documentary, I am Patrick Swayze and learning about how Patrick just ended up loving skydiving so much. It was really his brother who was like the skydiver aficionado. So they went out a couple of times so Patrick could prepare for the role, fell in love with it, and then would take off and do jumps like during his downtime to the point where like the studio was like, you need to stop. <laughs> you can't right. keep putting yourself at risk. Cause they saw it as, they saw it as a liability. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. Right. I totally can understand, but, but I just... he, re- he refused to let anybody do his own stunts. Cause he had never had a stunt double even in the past. So, yep. I mean, I, I feel like there is a very few actors. I think maybe in Hollywood history, would not use a stunt double. The only other person I know I know of off the top of my head is Jackie Chan, but and Tom Cruise probably for a well, bunch Tom of Cruise, stuff. Yeah, maybe Tom yeah. Cruise now. I don't know about Tom Cruise then, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Swayze. We, I, he 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 was a he, I think in, in a way you know he was kind of also at the time an adrenaline junkie too, you know you know and uh, skydiving is basically we all know he was a very earthly person. You know, he was very one. He, you know, he basically said he was a cowboy. You know, um, he loved the idea of being a cowboy, being one with nature, being one with the being one with the earth. And I think maybe that was like one of the most ultimate ways he felt like he could be one with well with the planet. I guess. Yeah. Um. And it, and and just the freedom that you must feel just for those few seconds that you're up in the air. You know, it's like nothing else really matters unless your parachute doesn't pull. Then then we yeah. got a problem. 
Yeah, because I guess Patrick has said that he felt that uh, Bodie was a lot like him and that they were both that wild man edge. And I could absolutely see that and still kind of being somewhat like grounded and spiritual as well. Yeah. And because, you know, Patrick Swayze kind of dabbled a little bit in all forms of spirituality, even Scientology. He, he never became a member, oh. but he kind of experimented with it, but along with... Um, he looked you know, into like it. Buddhism and um, a whole like other just levels of meditation and, and just spirituality. So mm-hmm. really a guy that just sounds like that was always kind of trying to better himself, maybe just even on that spiritual level as well, mm-hmm. or as a way to stay grounded and not get such a big head, you know, kind of keep to those good old Texas boy roots and mm-hmm. just remain kind of a chill dude. So. Right. I was a little worried when I first saw Scientology and Patrick Swayze, but then I looked it up and I was like, oh, he dabbled. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to work out for me. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, Elron. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love this movie. It's a lot of fun. It's I love the action scenes, um, the chase scenes. Although there's the one point where it's like Keanu watches the ex-presidents go in, rob the bank, come out. And then he, yeah, he starts chasing him and starts firing at him. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> was that when he was busy getting uh, Busey's meatball subs? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they went in and he didn't even see him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Neither of them saw. So I yeah, was, that was like, good. dude, you totally like blew your cover and everything. Like just chasing him off like that. I was like, no, you're just mm-hmm. too gung ho. <laughs> I, I feel like this movie as I got older and kept watching this movie over and over again, I feel like this movie kind of speaks to me in kind of like an anti-establishment, anti-capitalist way too, because there's that whole part where um, Swayze and Johnny Utah and the Swayze gang, they're Bodie's gang. They're sitting around the fire. Yes. And Swayze kind of gives us talk about, you know, all these, all these slaves to, um, to work and people crawling along the freeway and their metal coffins. And you kind of really get the sense uh, that he's really in it for the rush, that Bodie's in it for the rush and not, it's really not even about the money. I mean, mm-hmm. it's about, I guess, getting enough money to, to live until the next, the next adrenaline rush, the next score. And I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. Right. So, yeah. Like the money was just only to, to finance the yeah. abilities to go out and be kind of those adrenaline junkies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked his little speech uh, during that scene. You know? Yeah. He's like, we, we remind them that there's more, there's more than sitting in traffic and yeah. you know, to go live life basically. And it's like, he's almost kind of one of those very like, you know, those villains you can really relate to. Where you're like, mm, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> Why are yeah. you the bad guy? <laughs> So I thought I personally I thought his performance was the best out of between him and like out of anyone. Uh yeah. Keanu Keanu's great. And I like I said, I loved Gary Busey in this. Um, but Swayze is peak Swayze. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> and I don't mean that in career wise, but just right. the most Swayze. <laughs> it's kind of like our cagey yeah. moments, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the most swayziest. The most yeah. swayziest. Yeah, there you go. The yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And it's I think it's okay to say this is peak Swayze, but you know, you, you look at Keanu Reeves as Johnny Utah in, in the movie, and he was probably the person the character that played it the straightest in the movie. Like um mm-hmm. 
and it was also pretty early in his career too. Like yeah. he hadn't really done too much before this. Like, and he was still years away from, you know, the matrix or, or, yeah, but John I think Wick it was that, anything. I like think that. it was this movie that got, to, uh, got him recognized for speed though. And why, I think so too. Action, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and I think also one thing that I love about Patrick Swayze is, you know, we look back into the eighties, you know, and we look at, you know, we were talking about before the uh, uh, the tough guys. You know, the big but you know the big strong men of the '80s. We have Stallone, we have Lung uh, Dolph, we have uh, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know we have just like this huge group of huge bulking actors yeah, who just true. you know with who tote these gigantic guns and just you know they're the macho men. But then. We start veering off into a new age of action where it's not so much relying on your muscles. It's relying on your, you know, still on your physique, but, you know, how more I would say on your finesse, you know, and proving that you don't have to be a big, tough, macho man who, you know, can lift 360 pounds over your head to be an action star. And even though Swayze has had several roles actions action like roles i don't think he's ever done an action film quite like this and it's a completely different kind of action movie i mean yes in some senses i think people say this is more like a bank heist movie but i don't get that impression from this i think the bank robberies are just kind of the side note mm-hmm. um in comparison to everything else that's I going on i don't see this as any kind of heist movie bank heist no. movie because when you think of a heist movie and it too bad Laura isn't here because she loves heist movies, but that's like the main thing, right? That's like going to be the main objective of the overall movie is pulling off this big heist by the end of it. And like and all the, the heist, moving parts and all the moving yeah. parts to that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it, it kind of starts off with them already robbing a bank. And then it, so it's just it's just a, it's more or less like the thing they do. Not yeah. so much the main focus of like we're pulling this one right. last big one. Right, right. Um, it's a means to the the yeah. bank robberies are a means to everything else, I guess. Yes, in the for sure. Yeah. But I just really, I guess, uh, what I where I was trying to go with that, uh, with all that is like Swayze and Keanu Reeves at this point in time in the early nineties were really. Uh, flip, we're really like turning Hollywood around to show that we can do big budget action movies and not have these big bulking guys be the hero all the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that trend has continued since then. And I, I, I want to believe that Patrick Swayze in some way helped influence that. Absolutely. You know? That softer side of the action star and that, yeah, you don't have to look that certain way of, you know, these expendables and that yeah. you can, you can <laughs> more or less look like an average dude as long as, you know, you still got the abs. But yeah, that you, can, <laughs> yeah. that you don't have to fit this certain look and be this certain type to be a, a big time action star because he is, you know, Bodhi is zen as fuck. He doesn't like violence. That's why he had someone else you know, kind of kidnap and watch over Tyler while uh, Bodie dragged Johnny along to that last heist and everything. Yep. He doesn't do violence. And even in the bank scene where he shot the one guy, shot the undercover cop, you could tell he didn't want to do it. Yeah, he didn't. It was just uh, more or less like he kind of had to in that sense. Yep. Yeah, right. 
I guess I didn't realize that maybe Point Break is kind of a turning point in in Hollywood action history where maybe if this movie hadn't come along, I I think you're right. We certainly wouldn't have seen Keanu Reeves in Speed and maybe we wouldn't have gotten, um, you know, like a a film like Nicolas Cage and Con Air or The Rock or something like that either, Mm -hmm. you know. Something to think about. Yeah. Great movie. Total classic. So... All right. Well, we'll continue on and um, I'm going to skip over the next one that's on the list because I kind of want to save that for after we do Red <laughs> Dawn. Red Dawn. All right. Love so, a good propaganda film. It, uh, you know, and it's funny because it's like when I when I mentioned that to my husband that you're like, oh, you know, especially like that end scene with the plaque and everything yep. that it was like yeah. very propaganda-y. He's like huh, yeah, I guess, you know, hadn't really, really thought about it too much. So going into it and watching it with that, keeping kind of all of that in mind, yeah, it totally does. And the fact that it's made in, like, came out in the 80s, and while, like, yeah, the Cold War was, like, quote, over, there was still obviously a threat where filmmakers mm-hmm. were like, let's let's make this apocalyptic-type movie where the kids take the stand and it's uh, it's up to the kids and it's left to the kids to kind of mm-hmm. buy us that time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And all I had to say was, like, poor Gen Xers. No wonder they're always forgotten. They're war heroes. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh, I, I love that. I love this movie, and I love it just gets right fucking into it. It and, does, yeah. Uh, Came out in what was it 1984? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Red Dawn was the first movie to have that PG 13 rating. Really? Yep. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. So there was another movie that came out in 84 to also be rated PG 13, but technically Red Dawn came out first. So good job, Patrick. Oh, okay. <laughs> so okay. look at that. Even back then, Patrick Swayze pushing boundaries. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> The, this movie, it. it definitely feels like it's got the Cold War hysteria kind yes. of um, behind it. But at the same time, it doesn't really feel all that dated uh, because of what's going on right now. With yeah. It doesn't, so, right? Yeah. I got that same feeling when I watched it. It's oh. so weird. Oh, God, a Red Dawn 2022 with like oh, today's Jesus. current events. Yeah. Another yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot to like in this one. There's some, also some really good supporting actors in this mm-hmm. one. Leah Thompson. Yeah, Powers Booth. I'm a big fan of, um, and Harry Dean Stanton is in this one too. Um, it's it's really cool. Like you said, it gets right into it, and you know, I like the scene where they're, um, uh, it's just the, the students in in a high school class, and the teacher kind of pauses their lecture as all the parachuting Soviet troops are just coming down and everyone's right in the everyone's like, what is going on here? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, God, what a crazy fucking scene that would be like in real life. You're just sitting in class or at work. Next thing you know, like the field next year, the parking lot or whatever is just filling with soldiers, troopers. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just open fire. They kill the teacher, which at first I was like, oh, yay. You know, not only like a male teacher, but a black male teacher. Oh, now he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic 80s. Classic 80s. <laughs> but it's it's still a great movie. And we get reunited. Uh, you know, Patrick's reunited with uh, Thomas C. Howell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that was uh, the second movie they did together, right? After The Outsiders. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, really quick, going back to the teacher who went out there. I mean, I'm just I, – I, maybe it was things were different in the 80s, you know. But, I mean, why would you just randomly go out there and start at, and start yelling at these soldiers um, for landing in the back of your school? I mean, I, I – you're interrupting my class. <laughs> I hate to say that the guy had it coming, but I would have left that alone because well, I, I don't, don't want to get shot. I don't think he realized that they were enemies because even yeah. throughout the movie, as planes are flying by and, and trucks are going by, it's like, oh, they're like, is that one of ours? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was very kind of hard. So he might have just thought like, yeah, there's they, you know, their their guys got blown off course. And but yeah, no, sure. Alas. Mm. Wasn't. Fair enough. But yeah, Patrick again, kind of playing an older, older. Yeah, because he is the older brother of. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. I'll look it up. Uh, Charlie <laughs> Sheen. He's the he's the older brother yes, of Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Oh Thank yeah, you. that's, that's right. right. That's um, right. Yeah, so we see him just kind of dropping him and off at school, and then coming back to, to go looting the dad's, gas station slash gun shop slash hardware store slash little bit of everything <laughs> slash yeah. toys r us <laughs> yeah, who knows totally. what else <laughs> so and really trying to prepare them for the worst and i don't think there was a more 80s moment than when he told them to not cry and basically suck it up don't yeah. cry we gotta keep forward and i was like no wonder there's an entire generation that's emotionally stunted and fucked up <laughs> We're in charge of, they were in charge of saving the world and we're not supposed to talk about it. Got it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> are you officially Gen Xer too? <laughs> I officially am not. I was born in 81. Okay. So, so still an elder millennial. You're an elder millennial. I'm an elder millennial. <laughs> or a baby Xer. So, okay. I do well, like, well I like I, you're, you're an elder millennial in my eyes. <laughs> I'm very elder millennial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so. funny. You know, uh, one thing I found cool when watching um, I Am Patrick Swayze last night, um, I, I didn't realize this, and I thought this was really cool, that um, you know, years after he shot Red Dawn, after he did Red Dawn, uh, Swayze actually bought property right on the uh, other side of that mountain. Yep. Where, oh, that's cool. You know, where, he, uh, where he had his ranch. And um, that was a, it shows that even back, back then when he filmed the movie, he like fell in love with the landscape. He fell in love with the area and the mountain ranges and the trees. And just, it just also speaks to his character as a person, you know, of what kind of person he was behind the, you know, behind the camera. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really thought that was nice that uh, he decided to go off and do that. You know, to be in love with a particular setting so much that you want to lay down your roots there, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he learned, he fucking learned about this place through a movie that he did when he was a teenager or early 20s. I don't know how old he was when he really filmed it. But yeah, so I just thought that was kind of cool that he bought that property and it overlooked the mountain where they were camping out in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it was just because uh, I think his wife, Lisa, had said it was just kind of right on the fringe of like everything. So between like, you know, they, they weren't that far from, you know, like Vegas or something or not that far from like how, like they were in a pretty secluded yet centralized area where they weren't, they were just kind of a hop, skip and a jump to the bright lights and flashy 
lifestyle well, of that. New Mexico kind of borders Mexico, like all yeah. of that. So wherever that was located in New Mexico, it must have just been a couple hour drive to LA, a couple hour drive, like you said, to Vegas. It couldn't have, it must have been like kind of right on the corner of uh uh, of the state, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's that's really how, that's how she made it sound. So that was just kind of my, and then just I was like, oh, yeah, that for him. But absolutely, yeah, I love this movie. I did have it down under starring roles. Um, it's kind of hard because everyone plays. I don't think there's one specific star in this right. movie. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty equidistant movie for yeah. the character for all the actors. Yeah. So, but I I love it. Um, I guess the. It, Per IMDb, there are no computer graphic effects, chroma key composites, or miniatures in the movie. All of the explosions Ooh. are real and an actual oh, wow. size. So, and so are the dead bodies. So are the dead bodies. <laughs> All the <laughs> the dead Russians and Cubans. Yeah, and kids. Everyone and kids. died, and everyone who died yeah. in that movie died in real life. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's that's not Charlie Sheen that we're actually seeing on Two and a Half Men. <laughs> we we appreciate we're your just, service. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's roll it back a little further, as you will, to Patrick's first film starring role. My new favorite fucking movie, all things considered, <laughs> a product of its time, Skate Town USA. Oh, yeah. Now, we talk about ratings. Now, because obviously PG-13 didn't exist in 1979, this uh -huh. movie has no business being PG either. Oh my God. Well, is it really a PG movie? rated PG. Oh, that is amazing. It I love that it's rated been, like, PG. retro re-rated or anything. So wow. cracks me up. I guess if it was either that or an R, I guess I could go with a PG for this movie. But there's a yeah. lot of different sexual and drug innuendos and there's a lot oh, yeah. going on in skate town usa that's for sure <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> and it really gets you in the mood for pizza doesn't it <laughs> i pizza yes I, I i did break down and um made a pizza you did? Like halfway, halfway through this movie i was like i was like i'm not waiting for my pizza like like that's, that blonde girl no oh, that poor woman yeah. oh Just, my god yeah yeah, so this movie is kind of, you know, just banking on the height of uh, roller discos and, you know, like roller boogies, Xanadu and everything. Uh -huh. So there's th this whole idea of roller skating gangs just fucking tickles me and I can't oh. stop giggling about it. But the moment I fell in love with this movie was when Patrick was doing his solo uh, mm -hmm. skate for the competition because there's a skating yeah. competition happening at this roller rink as well because you got it something's got to be going on and it was the second that he jumped off the stage he jumps and just like he does in dirty dancing like the whole the way his body is as he jumps and then lands yeah. i lost my shit and i couldn't stop laughing for like five fucking minutes and I was like, that's it. I'm sold. I love this movie. And then at the end, when the two dudes are like, they're going to they're gonna have it out on the streets and they're going to roller skate down this really fast hill. And the first one to like hit their brakes because they're roller skating. Down the pier, right? Down oh, the yeah. Pier. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so when the, the skates with little <laughs> motors on them. <laughs> the motorized skates. <laughs> with the brakes. And they like had cut the brake line or whatever on the main, the quote, heroes main character skates and yeah. so they fall off the pier and the one dude 
the blonde guy, he like saves Patrick Swayze, Ace, Ace Johnson. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another John, form of John, uh, saves him, pulls him out of the water. And Ace Johnson asks him, like, why, man? Why'd you save me? I've tried to kill you like twice and all these <laughs> other things. That's, that's what he wrote. And then he just goes, I'm the hero. And then that's it cuts it. back to the roller disco and everyone's like happy and whatever. And I was like, <laughs> they didn't even try. <laughs> oh, man. They didn't try to go deep or nothing. They're just like, eh, nope. <laughs> back to the back to the skating. That's what we're here for, folks. Uh, and can I just give a quick shout out? I don't know the guy's real name. I'm not going to look it up. I don't remember his name from the movie, if he even had a name in the movie. But can I just give a quick shout out to the wizard DJ? Because oh, he's awesome. That yeah. DJ yeah, was, was great. so incredible. With a flick of his finger, people on the on the on the skating rink would just change their clothes on the fly. Yeah, that guy ran the show. It was fantastic <laughs> he was a magical dude there was a lot of magic happening in this movie like i thought there was a lot of standout people in this movie i mean it, it had not only did it have like really thick saturday night fever vibes but it mm-hmm. also felt like the warriors but on sure. skates <laughs> absolutely um oh yeah yes i love that but the warriors on skates i love it there was a couple characters i took a, some notes here on a couple characters that i didn't really see I, I didn't see their purpose other than just to make you laugh. So one of the one of my favorite parts towards the beginning was the drunk guy who is in line um, for pizza, and he had that flask. And the guy serving oh. the guy next to him was was like, "What's in there?" And the drunk guy was like, "It's holy water." Holy water. And, and then the other guy smells it, and he's like, "No, that's whiskey." And then the drunk guy is like, "It's a miracle!" <laughs> like I bust out laughing during that oh. whole scene. Um, that's good and, and then there's there's like that nerdy couple yeah uh, where they yeah. like go into the wrong like bathrooms and stuff and yeah it's i i just like the whole thing like it, there's so many little things and and the competition doesn't even start till i and i looked at um at how long i was into the movie when the first competition started and it was almost an hour in yeah wow so, and it's only it, like an hour and a half yeah hour and 38 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is if in, uh, there wasn't really any major plot to this film not at really least there there really wasn't but i think that's kind of the charm of this movie you know it's a movie that i don't feel like took itself too seriously at all like not at all and yeah like we've been like you guys have been saying i agree it is definitely a product of his time especially when we look at the sexual innuendos throughout the movie and the objectification yeah and the objectification of women which yeah i mean it is what it is i guess but i felt like everything in that movie even the smallest details really had a place in this just outrageous film from everything from just like the girl waiting for her pizza for like almost half half an hour it feels like (laughs) while that old man is like spit just like talking to her rambling to liners his old-timey jokes or whatever yeah (laughs) and then you have the guy who works behind the counter who's like pops a hot dog in his ear the hot Uh, dog guy so crazy hot dog so fucking weird but then like again you got the wizard you got you know you you got you got uh patrick swayze uh and his gang of boys ruffians yeah and scott 
Scott Bayo, you know, and Scott Bayo is just like this really serious manager for Stan. He's going to win this competition. I didn't, I didn't realize taking... it was him until the movie was over and I saw his name in the credits. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. But you know what the biggest surprise to me about this film was? And really, with everything in this movie, I'm surprised this is the thing that stuck out the most was that Maureen McCormick was in this fucking movie. And I was what? And it took me a little while, but I'm looking at her on screen. I'm like, and I look at Anastasia, I'm just like, am I crazy or is that Marsha fucking Brady? You know who and, she was cozying up to in the car? You know who that no, was? No, who was that? Horshack from Welcome Back Kata. No, really? Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> so that adds like a whole new kind of sprinkle of what the fuck. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, there's no specific thing about this film that I liked more than anything else, I guess. The entire movie is just a fucking ride from beginning to end. And you got to go into a movie like this with absolutely zero expectations, but you have to be very open-minded, I think, to be able yeah. to enjoy a movie like this. Yeah. Because, some good songs, though, too. Oh, Dude, yeah. yeah. The soundtrack it, the, is amazing. The soundtrack was incredible for this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of the reason why it took so long for it to get any kind of, uh, like, you know, VHS or DVD release was having to do with who owned the rights to the soundtrack. Okay. So well, I can oh, see that being a problem. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Because there's a lot of, like, big-name songs and and bands and stuff featured in it because it is a musical there's yeah. there are it's a <laughs> it's a musical skate comedy <laughs> it's a musical skate comedy can I we can't... talk about the competitions for just one minute though uh um, sure absolutely i just want to say real quick though that apparently point break was supposed to originally be about skateboarding oh, and okay. i giggled because i was like oh like a skate town usa sequel Boy, that would have given Point Break a completely different feel, don't you think? Oh, man. Take away surfboards and put in skateboards. I don't know if it would have had the same feeling. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Okay, go ahead, Adam. Uh, Okay, so there there were the two competitions it was the singles and the doubles. So I think Ace's solo competition was way better than Stan's. The problem with Stan's solo is was that he was doing like too many flips and cartwheels and stuff. Like his skates weren't even on the floor for most of his routine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, this is supposed to be about skating, not doing like gymnastics. So I just thought that Ace or Patrick's skating style was just like so over the top and extra. Uh-huh. And it, he did look like a, a ballet dancer that was skating. Yeah. And I thought that yeah. was really cool. Um, although Stan does get points for his solo routine because he did it to macho man. I thought that yeah. was great. Yeah. Um, that was great. But you know what? Got to give credit to Stan on something in that, during that, uh, the skating competition in the, uh, for the, uh, uh, for the solos. And I was super impressed by this. He rode a skateboard while on roller skates. That was That's insanely true. impressive. <laughs> That's but true. I do agree with you on every other point that you made. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and really, like, you know, the just the skating routines themselves during some of the musical numbers and the, the competition are very well choreographed. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I'm not a great roller skater. I can go forward and that's about it. And I'll eventually stop if someone helps me or the wall is there. But so to kind of see 
just that skill and that talent and that, you know, core strength and the muscle control when what stands like doing handstands, but then he's like clapping his legs with the skates on like, and those are like 70 skates. They're bulky and they're heavy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I was just like, that was truly, truly an impressive feat where some of these choreographed musical numbers on skates. Mm -hmm. I, I nice. was thoroughly impressed. Like, no jokes or anything like that. I was like, God damn. And what was great is Patrick Swayze. Um, I didn't know this, so I watched this movie that Patrick Swayze, Swayze as a teenager, actually uh, competed in roller skating competitions when he when he was younger. So he had that experience. Obviously, I mean, he grew up with dancing and and, and all that, but also the experience of being a a uh, well-versed roller skater as well. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, seriously, was there anything this man could not do? No, there wasn't. I did see, too, that um, it said Patrick Swayze and April Allen, and I can't remember which character she was, but they were roller skating partners as children in Houston, Texas. Oh, wow, okay. And so when filming started, they hadn't seen each other for 11 years. And I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> Just to be there reunited. <laughs> but yeah, they've got they've got that little like that three people, three person like little uh committee committee or something. Uh-huh. And they wanted to, I don't know, like shut down the roller rink or the competition or something. But they end up by the end of the movie joining in and just having a lot of fun because you know what? They got pizza on the house. So I think there is something in that fucking pizza. That <laughs> <laughs> So I, I fucking love this movie. Now, if anyone is listening and wants to check this movie out, please be aware that if you are susceptible to seizures or in any other oh, way triggered by bright flashing lights, then you might want to skip this one. Yeah. Because I, I do not. But I thought for I was like, holy shit, I'm going to just kind of look away for a second. Cause it was it's, it's intense. <laughs> did it, did, it, it did is, either yeah. of you watch this movie in a dark in a dark room? Yeah, I watched it in my basement. Yeah, because uh, it was pretty dark down there. Because with the uh, with how many lights are flashing in this movie, my 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 walls and my ceiling just lights were bouncing everywhere in my in my basement when I was watching it. So, uh, you know, kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, really quick, Adam, you might actually find it like this. Uh, so it looks like Skate Town USA got its USA got its first official Blu-ray release in September Ooh. of 2019. I didn't know so, that. And it is currently available on Amazon right now. Ooh. Does Adam have a birthday coming up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in May. Actually, actually he does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, shit. I do. All right. All right. Eric, we got this. We got we you. We got this. We got you, Adam. <laughs> Now I know what to expect and what to get excited for. Yay. Hell yeah. <laughs> so then that leads to the question, considering that the the way that we feel about this movie and just what we know now we know what we get ourselves into watching this film. Would you sit down on your own and say, "You know what? I'm going to watch Skate Town USA today." Absolutely. I'm going to watch awesome. this movie a lot. I fucking love this movie. It is utterly ridiculous, but it's Did right. Timmy watch it's it with you? Hell no, he don't do musicals. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he didn't even, even though he's a Beatles fan, he still didn't make it through the Across the Universe uh, Beatles music. Oh, that's a shame. I love that movie. Oh, it's one of my, it's one of my favorites. But so good. Yeah, this is definitely like top rewatch list. Um, I yeah. love it. Young Patrick Swayze. I sent you, Eric, uh, comparisons, but I thought he looked like a young Jared Padalecki from when he played a young Dean Forrester on yeah, Gilmore I Girls. I completely agreed with you. Absolutely. Yeah, he looked so. ju- they look they look almost identical. So unsee that. <laughs> Very cool. And what uh, what about you, Adam? Would you just say, you know what, I want to sit down and I'm going to watch Skate Town USA today? On Blu-ray? I'd watch it again. Yeah, I'd watch it again. So um, when you said it's available on Blu-ray, I just looked it up on Amazon. And I got to say, the cover of the Blu-ray does not have Swayze on it. It's got... It's got, yeah, I see that. It's got Stan. Yeah, it's got Stan on it. Boo. Oh, boo. Yeah. I know he's supposed to be the good guy in this movie, but. Yeah, it's a little disappointing, but it's got that nice little list there of all the of all the music from Earth, Wind, and Fire, yeah, the Jacksons. Yeah. 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 Great uh, soundtrack it, to this film. Absolutely. The, if you go through some of the reviews for the Blu-ray, uh, it's a bunch of uh, people being like, I've been waiting 40 years for this movie to be released on home video. <laughs> shit yeah big following no i yeah i love it again if you're not if if you can get past the bright flashy lights i highly recommend this movie it's fun it's ridiculous it's hilarious apparently maureen mccormick said i think in her either in an interview or in her uh, autobiography that there was a lot of cocaine going around the set and it's just kind of like yeah no shit oh yeah (laughs) you can tell So I would be disappointed if there wasn't cocaine on the set of this right? movie, to be honest with you. <laughs> People made this sober in se- late 70s. Like, mm, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do some drugs. No, just kidding. Don't do I drugs. feel like we could spend the rest of the time talking about Skate Town USA. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. But let's get in uh, a couple more of his starring roles. And then we'll just touch real quick on a few supporting roles. And okay. the okay. and then, yeah, we'll start to wrap it up. So, um. In terms of kind of his deeper cuts, I didn't get a lot in for the for this episode today, but uh, it looks like Adam, you added Steel Dawn and Next of Kin. So if you'd like to go ahead and start, and yeah, let, so, let us know. Yeah, Steel Dawn and Next of Kin were two movies that Eric and I watched uh, when I visited him a couple weeks ago, and they are you know Patrick Swayze lead lead role movies, although. I, you know, I don't think they're known as his best movies or, or most well-known movies, but I, right. I do think they were worth watching. Don't you, Eric? Um, next to Ken, I probably would not watch again perfectly. I w- uh, per- personally, I w- wasn't too crazy about it. Okay. But I thought Steel Dawn, for what it was and from when it w- and considering when it was made, kind of off the back of that like Mad Max era. It it did feel that way. It kind of felt like a low rent Mad it Max. It did. It felt like it felt like a more low budgeted version of Mad Max. In fact, if you, if I could compare it to anything that I would say that it would be more like, I would actually say it kind of reminds me a little bit of a mix of Mad Max meets Turbo Kid. Sure. Yep. I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I think that is a fun movie if you're into post-apocalyptic films. Um, I mean, obviously, it works. It's working with a very low budget in comparison to movies like Mad Max, but it's still got that vibe, you know. And I love me a good post-apocalyptic movie, so I would watch that movie again. Next of Kin, I'll be honest. I don't even remember too much anymore what Nexican was about. I just remember <laughs> Leslie Nielsen was in it. Liam, ne- Liam Neeson. Liam, Liam Neeson, Neeson, not Leslie oh. Nielsen. I'm sorry. <laughs> totally Liam different. 
<laughs> Liam Neeson. I am so sorry. Kind of similar names a little bit. <laughs> Liam Neeson. But yes, you're right. He was, uh, he was in it and, you know... Uh, I don't know. It, it was. It was. I did. I couldn't. I had a hard time really getting into it. So okay. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think Next of Kin was like Swayze's best movie, but I did feel like it had some redeeming stuff in it. Yeah. I I liked uh, the fact that Bill Paxton was in it for for a bit because it was cool seeing both of them together. Sure. Um, Paxton's always a treat. Yeah, yeah, and I did like Liam Neeson as his brother in it, and. Um, it was funny to see Liam Neeson try to do like the Appalachia ac- American accent, like kind of that redneck accent because mm-hmm. he, he couldn't nail it and you could still hear the Irish. Like, <laughs> behind it. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think you and I were actually picking apart the plot a little bit to that movie. So the whole thing kind of centers around the fact that these mobsters led by Adam Baldwin killed Swayze's brother in the movie, who's who is Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yes, yes, yes. So the that scene opens up where these mobsters were essentially trying to hijack this truck. And um we didn't really get the point of that because they actually then in the next scene kill Swayze's brother, Bill Paxton, in the truck, and you see that it's empty. So we were you and I were like, so why did they even hijack this truck in the beginning? If it was empty, it didn't it didn't make a lot of sense. Right. It was kind of just like a setup for this revenge story. Or, you know. Basically, yeah, it's kind of uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it was just I think it just uh that was just the driven the the driven factor just to yeah. create an action film. Yeah. But there really was, like you said, there wasn't a purpose for them to do, go about it the way that they did. So it just didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, next again is probably one of it. I, it. I'm glad, you know, I, I'm glad I watched it, even though I don't remember a whole lot about it. At least now I could say I did see it, but eh, I, I could probably go without it for as long as I live from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did like steel down too. I thought that was a lot of fun. I didn't realize it again until the movie was over, but uh, Lisa Nimi, Patrick's wife, plays the female lead in that movie opposite him. So oh. that was kind of cool to see, cool. too. Yeah. Nice. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd probably go back and watch Steel Dawn again. It was fun. Very nice. Right on. Well, I will, based on your recommendations, I will watch Steel Dawn, but maybe not next of kin. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, one more, just kind of a quick. More of an honorable mention is one that I just happened to get in because I the kids were off school the other day and I was off work. So figured, oh, look, a family-friendly Patrick Swayze movie. Yeah. And we watched Tall Tales. Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's a, it's a Disney movie. It's got, you know, all those Tall Tale characters, uh, Pecos. Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill. Uh, John Henry. And um, Paul Bunyan, Babe, the Big Blue Ox. Yeah. So I, I've always kind of loved those tall tales. Um, mm-hmm. And I was kind of sad that, like, the kids haven't learned really about tall tales or anything in school because they're just, they're fun. They're tall. I was like, <laughs> without yeah. saying it, I was basically like, these are like white people <laughs> myths and legends and kind of fairy tales in the sense that they tell these they explain these certain, you know, these fires or whatever by, mm-hmm. you know, 
exaggerating the, these stories, which yeah. that's just fun, you know, sure. just, just like any kind of fairy tale or any kind of urban legend or anything like that, you know, a, a game of telephone with a story over time and oh, sure. people okay. embellish. So, yeah. um, but I thought it was fine. I thought his role as, I thought he was perfect for Pecos Bill. I mean, we've mentioned how he's definitely cowboy kind of type and that was yeah. more than perfect. Right. I like to think that Patrick's off wrestling and riding tornadoes as we speak. Yeah. And, you know, I, I watched the movie, too. And um, this is definitely like one of those like straight to VHS Disney movies that came out, you know, in the early 90s. Uh, definitely in the in Disney's like C catalog, you know, they're, they're C they're C movies, um, as I call it. But. I felt like it, it, the movie did have a charm to it, you know. It, it, you know, it, the acting wasn't great for, for a lot of it, um, but there were some familiar faces. Uh, and the biggest thing that took me by surprise was when uh, uh, Catherine O'Hara came mm-hmm. on screen and she played Calamity Jane, and she's a, a and she's a tall tale on her set. Calamity Jane is a t- is a tall tale as well. So you know, I thought that was kind of kind of neat uh, seeing. Um, oh my god. Nick Stahl's character. What was that? Was the kid's name? Oh. I think it was like Dan or something. Daniel. Yeah. I want to say it was so. Daniel. Yeah. Um, you know, Daniel's character. Just like at first, you're like, oh, did he dream it? Was it all a dream? Did it all really happen? And then in the end of the film, there's his father. You know, he has his you no know, the whole thing going on with his dad and his dad's land, and his dad's walking away, and he turns around and he sees the three tall-tailed characters with his son. And then he just casually walks away. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I was like, "Really? I would, I would have gone right over there. I don't know about anyone like, else. I would have, <laughs> I would have been like, are, are you real? Is that really a blue ox? I don't know. Um, but it was a charming movie. It I'm was. glad I watched it again. Probably not what I would watch again, but it's not. It didn't have like a Mexican vibe. At least this one kind of sticks out to me. Yeah, the kids seemed to like it. You know, they they were into like the action scene, actiony scenes, and everything. Yeah. And and being Disney, you know, my oldest, we start watching it, and he's just like, you know, the dad's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny as I said the same thing. And then, I was like, and then the dad gets shot, and you know, the oldest is like, nope, there it is. And then I was like, oh no, he lives. He's like, yeah, but he's barely hanging. <laughs> But I did. You know what I liked? I I really liked the, like the villain in this movie, the tycoon. Yeah. Uh, who wants to you know you know you know uh, take over the land and build his industries or whatever the hell he was doing. I I actually really liked hit the whole chase between him and Daniel, and, and he's like like all of this just for a piece of paper that said <laughs> that to to, uh, uh, to just to switch ownership of the property. It's like even if he gets his hand on that piece of paper, I don't think that audibly makes him a, the property owner because his father's name is on the deed. So I'm pretty sure it's not that easy. But yeah. I thought the uh, idea of that was still kind of cute <laughs> that whole just like lawless wild west times of it's just it's really like you know possession is nine tenths of the law he's possessing the paper so yeah it was, it's it, it was it was fine it's cute it you know like i said my kids were pretty pretty well engaged well that's Lost, good the oldest was at first kind of annoyed he's like so that was all a dream all of that and it was a dream and then they show <laughs> up you know with the the train and everything yep yep and so then that was, I was like, see, it's all, you know, it's just magic. The Wild West 
magic. And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, the youngest is like, what's going on? I'm like, well, that guy wants to steal that family's land, but you know, they, they don't want to because they're homesteaders. And then the oldest was like, what do you say? He's like, you can't homestead if you have no home to stead. And I was like, oh dear God. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Good times. All right. Well, that kind of will wrap it up for the starring roles. I know that there are many, many other titles out there that we could go on and on and on and on about. Um, oh, one I did watch years and years ago was Black Dog. And that was all right. It was. Is that the one of, with Meatloaf? I, I, is that the one? Meatloaf might be in that one because he's uh, Swayze is a trucker. And from what I recall, he's like some skilled old school pro at trucking and he wants to retire but he gets roped into one last haul and it's very very dangerous and he's got to make this long trek and the black dog is basically like a black shadow truckers will see at night that causes them to steer off the road so that's where they get the name of the of the movie i think there is a point where a quote black dog runs out in front of somebody someone's uh rig but that was all i remember um, he's, he does have a family in that. So I think it's kind of like, he's wants to retire and be with his family, but now, you know, this is a dangerous run. And so it's like family's in danger too, or kind of, kind of tropey in that sense, but mm-hmm. you know, it's whatever. So I didn't go back to rewatch it. So that was all from memory, memory of going back to like 1999. Okay. Well, um, I should just let you know really quick that I just got a notification that my device that I'm using for today's recording only has 6% battery left. Uh-oh. Oh no. Yeah, I know. Time flies when time time flies when you're when when, when you're not when you're not charging your uh, charging your device, but yep. um I think I still got a little bit of time and if we have a moment, I did find a really really cool Patrick Swayze fact that okay. I wanted to share. I, so I was, so I had to, I double, I double checked this to make sure this was true. And it turned out that it was. So Patrick Swayze auditioned for three very iconic roles that he did. He wasn't cast for, Okay, but the idea of him uh, possibly have been cast for these roles would have, I think been a game changer for these three, for these three movies. So he auditioned to play, Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon. Oh, wow, I can imagine that a little bit, but I mean, mm-hmm. there's been so many Lethal Weapon movies, and they've all been Mel Gibson that it's hard to, I guess. It's hard to imagine anyone yeah. but Mel Gibson, but it is cool to know that originally that Patrick Swayze tried to get that role for himself, so that's cool. I can see him. I can see that working just based on Swayze's hair in the eighties. Yeah, I think he could have done. I think he could have sure. done that cut that Mel Gibson has in Lethal Weapon. Oh, 1. the hair was so big, yeah. even on everybody in the eighties. Absolutely, yeah. I got to agree. But I thought that was cool. Another cool one was he auditioned to play Connor McCloud in Highlander. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> so. That was really sweet. I ultimately think they made the best, better choice going with uh, Christopher Lambert uh, yeah. because that's yeah. an iconic role for him, but still very cool. But this is the one that absolutely took me by surprise, which is why I'm sharing it for last, saving it for last. He auditioned to play Bruce Wayne in the 1989 Batman movie, which eventually, which essentially went to Michael Keaton. That's that, interesting. I don't know if he... I don't know if Swayze could be I Batman. Know. I don't think I, so. You know, I've thought about this, and I think um, 
uh, both Val Kilmer and uh, Patrick Swayze have had some very similar career arcs to them. And I could more see Swayze starring in the in the Batman films that um, that he did, that Kilmer did. I could see that more so, but sure okay i think i could i, I could get behind that yeah i could start i don't know if i i, I don't know if i could see him in the more serious roles <laughs> yeah, yeah i could see maybe him doing the more campier bits but like the campier versions but maybe not wanting to do the. you know what i mean like he he wants to do like maybe he wanted to do the dark and broody and the more serious one to kind of take that shift of his career and you know go take it a little on the darker side Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about him as Batman, but I think he could have done a really good Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely so. agree. But I have a hard time picturing him as a Playboy billionaire. Don't you? He doesn't strike yeah. me as the as the well, rich kind of the rich guy type. Because of the the roles that were more familiar of of him doing, you know. I I have not seen anything where he plays a rich billionaire playboy type. So I don't know. But I think he could do it. I think in in watching all these movies, Patrick Swayze is very, very expressive in the eyes. Yeah, he is. He conveys so much through the eyes between anger and intensity to fear and love. And I think I think he could have made it work. I just don't I, I don't think it could have the movies would have ended up being as big as, you know, Keaton's Batman ended up being. Right. 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 So no, I agree with that. Okay. Can everybody hear me? Okay. I got kicked out. Once we figured out how to charge the thing, it like charger went in and everything just kind of reset itself somehow. So oh, nice. All right. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's quite all right. So yeah, that's, pretty much going to be it for the starring roles that we're all ta- that we're talking about today there are many more starring film roles plenty more to choose from he's got a total of like over 50 acting credits to his name so you know if we missed any noteworthy ones i apologize but let me know and maybe we can come back and revisit and do a deep dive into maybe just those films but real quick want to shout out to the, uh some of the supporting roles i guess really one <laughs> And that would be his role in Donnie Darko, where he plays the super creepy, weird, pedophile, motivational speaker, Jim Mm -hmm. Cunningham. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, I love this movie. I was just telling Adam that I'm no closer to understanding this movie, um, but it's got it's got. Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, and I love him. This was probably one of the movies that helped fuel that crush on him. But... Yeah, when this movie first came out and I first saw it, and I was like, oh, you know, Patrick Swayze, you know, oh, that's kind of yeah. a creepy, weird character. Oh, my God, he's a pedophile. Totally, like, not what I would expect the, a no. character that he would play. Even just the small role, because he's very, very minor in this, in this mm-hmm. movie. But it was still just kind of jarring that that's the role that's he him. play. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's so uh, it's so left field from anything that he's done in the past, and even though he is just a supporting character, his role is very strong and pivotal to Donnie's story um, because he had to expose him mm-hmm. in order for things to happen 
the way that things happened in the end. You know, that whole entire movie is basically about one ter- one event after the another in order to come to an inevitable conclusion in Donnie's life, which then in the end he realizes he has to reverse all of that shit so he could save the girl he loves, but still, you know, who wouldn't turn back time for love? Superman did it, so why not Donnie Darko? <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah, he sure did, didn't he? <laughs> but Patrick Swayze's character, Jim Cunningham, although a creepy pedophile i will say you gotta credit is due oh no i can't i'm sorry jen i can't hear you you froze oh no eric he froze (laughs) he said something he said the tablet ended up dying oh well why don't we go ahead and just try and wrap this up then? Okay. So I know he wanted, I know Eric had more to say about uh, Patrick's role as Jim Cunningham in, in Donnie Darko. Um, what did you think this minor yet incredibly creepy, icky role? Um, I thought he was awesome. And I think he added something to Donnie Darko as a movie in general that I think there would have kind of been a hole in this movie without that performance and without that character. Um, so, you know, like, like it was said, I think that character was really important for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a great movie too. I haven't seen it in a, in a while, but I do remember that I had preferred the director's cut edition of Donnie Darko over the theatrical. Cause I, like you said, it's hard to understand exactly what is going on there. Oh, is this Eric? I think oh, Eric's looks like back. Eric's coming back. Oh, oh, there's Eric. Can you hear us? I can hear you. I am now using my phone to finish this to finish our our show. I am so sorry about the technical difficulties, you guys. Nope, that's quite all right. I appreciate you trying to work with what you got and and join us while we round this out. Um, Adam was just kind of we're still talking about Donnie Darko, um, so we'll let Adam go ahead and finish what he was saying, and then and then. Eric, you can finish what you were saying before you got cut off. I was just saying I I prefer the director's cut to the theatrical cut of Donnie Darko. I think um, it does a little bit better job of explaining the plot and what's actually going on. And that's really all I, all I had to say about Donnie Darko. The theatrical cut is like just under two hours. And then mm-hmm. the director's cut is just over two hours. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the copy that we watched then was just over two hours. So that was the director's cut. Cause I think, I think that's correct. Okay. I, I don't know if I've ever seen the theatrical cause I didn't see it in the theaters. So I wonder if I only have ever seen the director cut, but it, I, so I can't imagine anything being removed in that short 10, 15 minutes or so. Because um, I feel like any missing piece is just going to you're just going to be so much more lost during during your watch. So didn't some of the music get switched out during the uh, from the director's cut from the theatrical version as well? Yeah, there was something something with the music, too. And then that also kind of changed the tone of yeah, like the scenes, yeah. too. So it, it sounds like the theatrical one is just a mess and everyone should just watch the director cut. <laughs> Again, like I was saying before, before, before I got up, I had my technical issues is, you know, this is a very completely different style of role for someone like Patrick Swayze, you know, just so opposite of any character he has ever 
ever portrayed. And even though this is not a likable character, I think Patrick Swayze proved that he could branch out of that action-y star role. I mean, he did that with Ghost, but he could play something a little more dark, a little more sinister. That that, that darkness that puts on a friendly face, you know? He and, and he he played that role very well. Mm-hmm. You know, he he basically tricked an entire community, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, 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 Sparkle Motion. Um, <laughs> I question your commitment to Sparkle Motion. <laughs> yeah. So, but but I really did love. Uh, I really do love his role in that movie, just because it's Patrick Swayze. He played it. He, he, he did it with the utmost, utmost professionalism like he does with probably any other movie that he's in. Um, it's, and, it's almost yeah. like his casting for that character was intentional because what we are first introduced you know, about Jim Cunningham, you're just kind of like, all right, so he's he's a motivational speaker type, whatever, you know, kind of an... You know, very handsome, charismatic, you know, a lot of people are nodding along with what he says. And it's like, okay, you know, it's Patrick Swayze, very handsome. I'm going to nod along as he's as he's speaking. Yeah. And that kind of like unassuming, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, so Patrick is going to do something a little different, a little darker. Oh, okay. And maybe just that in a, in of itself being kind of unsettling and then adding that pedophile twist to it. And then really just because... As a viewer, personally, I was almost as shocked as the people in the community that not that this character was a pedophile, but that this actor is playing a character that is so far from what we have seen in the past. Our expectations of the type of characters he plays. Yeah, right. So it just it kind of makes me wonder if that wasn't done on purpose, like that role. They were like, I want Patrick Swayze for this role Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. So right, um, right. Yeah, I love that movie. I think I I think my problem with the movie overall is I overthink it and I look for something bigger and deeper than what's really there. Right. <laughs> and right. that's what has caused. But that's the kind of movie that makes you do that though. It, it does. That's it Donnie Darko. Makes you it's question like your sanity. <laughs> absolutely. Um it's funny because Donnie Darko, I always whenever I'm scrolling through like Plex or I'm going through like any app that might have Donnie Darko on it. If I scroll by it, I always stop for just a second and think, do I want to watch that? Yeah. Yep. And then I keep going because I've seen it like a million times. But um, it just proves, though, it, it, it it's, a, it's an extremely good movie. It's a standout film. Everybody in that movie plays their role seriously to perfection. Um, even, even Donnie's annoying little sister is really funny. I think they got they made a... a, a they made a spin-off movie or a sequel to Donnie Darko about his little sister. I think. Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, I'm yeah, I'm fairly certain that they did. Oh, interesting. A uh, little fun fact that uh, Jim Cunningham's Cunning Visions infomercials were shot at Patrick Swayze's ranch in Lakeview, Terrace, oh, California. I didn't know that. I heard that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And then when you look at knowing that while watching the movie and having already watched the Swayze documentary. Of course, I'm like, oh, it totally looks like his ranch that I've never been to. And I've only seen minor background screenshots of. Yep, that's totally. I've seen that tree. I've seen that tree. (laughs) Totally. That's funny. Uh, And it's funny because earlier in uh, the conversation tonight, we were talking about how Patrick Swayze to give off that more creepish and out of tone, out of, of, you know, just 
not a tone vibe that he has is he would wear his old clothes, mm-hmm. you know, from the 1980s. And so it's kind of cool just the kind of work and effort that he put into this, you know, just supporting role. Yeah. So it, it, it says something about him, I think, as a as an actor and just as just how pro, how professional and how much he wants to give back while he is working on a project even if it's just, you know, as a side character. Absolutely. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Any other kind of supporting roles that uh, in films that you feel need a quick shout out, a mention? I, I won't dwell on this too much, but I did watch Grandview USA. Nothing like Skate Town USA. Darn. Let me just say that. All right. It was an okay movie. I don't know if I'd go back and watch it again. Um, kind of a not stereotypical type of a uh, uh, role that he would play, but you know, he played this guy who liked to, he, he, he was a demo. He was a, in a he would participate in demolition derbies. Uh, it's just this guy who's kind of down on his luck. You know, his wife is cheating on him with like some sleazy salesman. Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, in that movie and he's actually more of a supporting role for Jamie Lee Curtis. than I think she is of him because she has a larger role in the film, but basically the premise of the movie is there's this kid. Well, about how, is 1700... he? how is he? I don't want to spend too much time on it. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm sorry. I could go, I could go off. I know he's good. He's good. He's quintessential Swayze basically in this movie. You know, he's got the Swayze abs. He shows them off. You Ooh, know, do we get a wet and rainy Swayze? Is there, you a, get what? is there a wet and rainy Swayze? See like in the rain? No, but there's a really cool part where Swayze is in a bulldozer and he bulldozes his house. Nice. So that's that was kind of cool. But no, no red and wet and wet and rainy Swayze, unfortunately. Hmm. I'm sorry. That's all right. Yeah. But a decent flick, and he does. It might be worth a watch. It might be worth might, a watch. You, you might just say, okay, I've seen it. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And one more that maybe we should just kind of name drop quick is Young Blood. Um, it mm-hmm. stars, uh, Rob Lowe and it's a sports hockey movie. Um, I, I found this movie really, really boring and I could not get into it. <laughs> and I was yeah. trying to only pay attention to Patrick's role. And I did like the little bit that I saw, but I ended up falling asleep through the movie and I did not go back to finish it, but I made it up to when, uh, Swayze is initially attacked on the ice, uh, by the other, skater guy hockey player guy and patrick's character sustains like that head injury or whatever Mm -hmm. um i imagine he's amazing in it but i just i (laughs) know it wasn't really my cup of tea either yeah um but i actually enjoyed it more than i thought i would i don't know it was i thought it was a decent little movie about hockey fair enough it felt very canadian yeah does kind of feel very canadian eh? yeah i don't think i could expand on that either i mean i probably <laughs> feel the exact same way about young bloods it was what it was it wasn't terrible it wasn't great it was a movie about hockey don't know what else to say yep yep so um let's see we've we've name dropped the patrick swayze documentary i am swayze a few times won't go too much into it but it's very very good um be ready if you do watch it have tissues handy Mm-hmm. Um, the moment that I completely fucking lost it during the documentary was was at the end when they said that they brought his horse down and got oh. him to bow goodbye. Yeah. 
Foosh, uh, just the fucking water. I was like, why did you tell me that? <laughs> that's when I messaged. That's when I sent that message yesterday is when that part happened. When I said, I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So great. A, a really good documentary. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend checking that out, um, especially if you are a Swayze fan. So yeah. Very insightful. Very yeah. insightful. Yeah. yeah. Learn very much a lot about him. And, you know, you just kind of get that greater appreciation for just that he didn't like half-ass his roles. He might have been mm-hmm. cast in some eh movies or whatever, like, you know, bad, bad movies or good, bad movies or what have you. But right. he's never like he, he always went in and did everything like 150%. Yeah. He never phoned it in. Never phoned it in. So you have to, you have to respect that. Um, and you couldn't, and even another, uh, aside from the horse, kind of another tearjerker moment for me was when, uh, they showed the footage from that Barbara Streisand interview. Oh, when he was talking about his dad. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way he just kind of broke, was starting to kind of get really emotional and almost broke down. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a a very humane moment. I feel like for Patrick Swayze right there. Fucking fuck you, Barbara Walters. God damn it. Oh yeah. That That was, that was kind of in a way a little funny just because that is classic, like Barbara Walters, like he was prepped and he was warned that she'll, she'll, she's got a gotcha question and she's going to get you. And she lulled yeah. him all the way into like, yep, that false sense of I'm I'm safe now. Yeah. And then she dropped yeah. it. It's like, oh, you bitch. But it's Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. <laughs> so, and I just want to touch on TV series real quick. Um, the last one that he did was The Beast. I think that was A and E or AMC. It there was it was their original TV series, his very last one. And it is very much a crime, like, procedural. So he's FBI, and he's, like, wild cannon. He's got his own okay. kind of questionable ways of how he handles, how he does things. And he's just been paired with a new kind of rookie D, or rookie FBI agent. And they specialize in undercover work. And so he's got very, like, unconventional – Patrick Swayze has unconventional methods to get the information. So it's – so that's kind of that. Meanwhile, the season plot is Patrick's been trying to solve this this murder, basically, of uh, one of his really good friends who is also like a U.S. ambassador or whatever. And the daughter of the U.S. ambassador had died. And so he's very torn because he was very, very close with that family. And so you come to find out that because throughout the series, you're like, oh, he's up to something kind of shifty. Maybe it makes it looks very questionable. Mm-hmm. But then it uh-huh. all comes out and he's been investigating this. And the closer that he gets to it, uh, the more the the system or whatever is setting him up, setting him up to be the fall guy, to be the patsy for for everything. So he's mm-hmm. eventually able to, like, clear his name. You know, it's like a deep, deep secret that corruption that goes like all the way to the top. And he's able to blah, 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 do all of that. So it's. I guess that was a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) It's so if you're into procedurals, it's pretty good. It's got that darker, grittier tone to it. Okay. Um, Patrick Swayze was diet was first diagnosed in mid January of 2008. 
And this series ran from January 2009 until April 2009, and he died in September of 2009. So he agreed to star in the series despite undergoing treatment for his pancreatic cancer. And the pilot episode had already been filmed before his diagnosis in 2008. So knowing that while watching it is kind of heartbreaking in the sense that this is his last television performance because Powder Blue was his last film that he did. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was because it's kind of filmed in that grittier tone, some scenes he looks more sick than others. Mm-hmm. And that I think all has to do with lighting and angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Towards the end of the series, it almost felt like certain shots were done in a way to not show that maybe he's walking not as strongly and like fierce as we know him to kind of that presence. Yeah. There was one specific scene where it looked like he kind of had a bit of a wobble, like almost like he got off a horse and he kind of had like that bit of an exaggerated cowboy kind of walk. Okay. And the way that scene was filmed, you didn't see a lot of him actually walking. Okay. So these little tiny things you kind of pick up throughout and it just kind of makes you sad because you're, but at the same time, just blown away because again, he does not phone it in for any of this. He stays true Patrick Swayze, true buddy level fucking acting all throughout. And there was one scene where he has gone undercover. He's telling, he's like playing the undercover character. He's playing as like a, homeless drug addict and he's relaying some kind of sad story to the baddie of the week to try and get him and Mm -hmm. so it's like you got a dude playing another dude trying to play a dude and but he's got he just has that emotion and it just kind of stops you in your track because it makes you wonder like how much from his real world pain was he pulling from to put into this character just channeling all of that and that alone is worth watching this series is just his fucking performance um this series i guess was described as patrick swayze's first notable lead project since point break um and and again we kind of see a different side of of a character patrick is playing here because he's a kind of a borderline you know loose cannon type you know, does what he wants. And he's also being kind of investigated by internal affairs for some of his, quote, questionable tactics. Um, so he's he's that kind of character. And but he does such a good job. Uh, some critics were worried that he wouldn't be able to pl- be believable as such a badass uh, FBI agent because of the advanced state of his illness. But I thought, if anything, it kind of added to it. It kind of gave him that worn and weathered look of maybe an agent that's just kind of like, fuck it, fuck it. Sure. Um, Yeah. And I also read that despite his cancer, Swayze only missed one and a half days of the five-month filming schedule. uh, Wow. That's when he had a cold. Oh, my God. This this fucking movie, or this, this show, was, like, again... Not a huge, don't really get into procedurals anymore, but his last lines and his last scenes in the series, you know, he's cleared his name and this and that. And they're like, oh, so what are you going to do now? 
are you going to blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, the next part of my journey, I have to go alone. But I'll be seeing you. These kind of like weird little veiled goodbyes. Yeah. Fuck off. (laughs) Those were those were gut punches. And it really kind of gave those scenes weight because you're just like this. This is goodbye. This quite possibly was Patrick saying goodbye, not only in his character in character, but to the fans. Do you think Patrick Swayze came up with that line himself? I have no, I would not be surprised, but the emotion he put into it was fucking real. And the emotion you felt from that was fucking real. So I I do in the sense that it's his last role and everything. And just to, if you want to see that performance and again, that level of dedication to his craft, because I also think it shows how much better he would like, just how far he had come as an actor from Skate Town USA to showing he can do these dramatic, gritty roles, these things you wouldn't necessarily expect him to do, like Donnie Darko. And, you know, right. I felt like he was really, really honing in on his acting ability and his skills. And it's just a shame that we weren't able to see where else that could have taken him. And us along uh, for the ride as well. So, um, and then on a side note, I did watch the one random episode he was in, uh, in MASH. And my husband was like, why are you watching MASH? And I was like, because Patrick Swayze's in it. And he's like, I was wondering if he was like, I was wondering if you're going to figure that out. And I was like, (laughs) so you were holding out on me this whole time. (laughs) Did. Was it a pretty big role? For him, yeah. So there's always, you know, the the main plot and the subplot. So Swayze's character, he's, you know, army fella and him and his army buddy. Um, they've been healed. You know, they're at MASH and his buddy's still kind of, um, it's touch and go. You know, things aren't looking so good. It's, you know, they'll just keep an eye on him. But, you know, Hawkeye's like, but having you around is, is good for him. And okay. so the unconscious soldier, he needs, um, he needs some blood and Swayze's character is like, well, no problem, doc. We're both A's, you know, you know, we're like blood brothers, perfect match. And they're like, excellent. So they go take his blood, just making sure he's a match. And that's when Hawkeye finds that he has leukemia. So Patrick's character is then diagnosed with leukemia and they're like, well, we're going to send you to Tokyo General or whatever the big city hospital was. And Patrick is like, why? What is this all seems kind of silly for just trying to donate blood. And then they tell him, well, you, you've been diagnosed with leukemia. We want, You should probably get going. And his character's mm-hmm. like, you know, because this is MASH, it's Korea. And so there's not nothing out there, you know, for him health healthcare wise, really. And so he's like, well, he's like, if I don't have that much time left, don't I get to decide how shouldn't I be able to decide how I spend my my time? And you said that me being here was helpful for him. So I don't want to leave. Um, yeah. So that was that was his kind of guest guest role in that one episode. So that's nice. But that was so those were the some of the TV ones that I got in uh, for the for today. So. How many, episodes of the, how many episodes of the Beast were there? 13. Oh, so oh, it was a full season. 
Yeah. Yeah. Full season. That's good. It did get in. I mean, it had been canceled, I think, about halfway through its airing. So um, I don't know if they were able to kind of tweak that last episode in any way. They didn't really set it up for any kind of big uh, next season baddie or really anything like that. It felt fairly, okay. fa- fairly like done. So. All right. Whew, we did it. We got, we got through them. So any other stray bubbles? Either of you have got floating around before we. Oh, uh, well, uh, not Patrick Swayze related, but for those who are interested uh, as of yesterday is official the season premiere of season four of Mrs. Maisel. Woo-hoo! Oh, I'm Check excited for that too. That's going to be. I am. I I'm gonna, I can't wait to start watching it. <laughs> so are you going to start watching and then, or are you going to wait till it's all out? Oh, I still don't know what I'm going to do. I still don't <laughs> know because I know we got, we got our season three recording that we have to work out. And I don't know if I just want to wait to watch season three again and then go into season four, but I'm so impatient when it comes to this show that I know I'm probably going to end up breaking. Sure. So sure. understandable. That's okay. Right on. That's all right. And Adam, anything um, streaming in your bubble lately? Um, I just watched Yellow Jackets on Showtime, which oh, I enjoyed yes. very much. Very um, nice. That was awesome. And I'm looking forward to season two of that whenever, whenever it comes back. Um, and then I'm watching Ozark season four, of course, on Netflix is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the other night on HBO Max, that new Steven Soderbergh movie, Kimmy, is on there. And I thought that was very good. Oh, nice. so check right. that out. Will do. <laughs> uh, let's see. As for me, we just finished, like I said, Peacemaker. Um, the last, I just, okay. So, you know, I'm still watching The Walking Dead because this is their last season. So they just came back from their like 14 month mid-season break. And I didn't know this until the other day, but the last season is broken up into three parts. Ugh. So now we're starting on part two of the final. And I'm just like, just fucking die. Why can't they just get it over with? I don't know. That show just literally needs to die. It really does. Yeah, I gave up a number of years ago. As as most people did, but here I am. One out of three. Still watching it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm doing it because it is the last. Do you think you're going to do? Do you think once it's all said and done, you're going to do a show about it? We'll see how it ends and how much I have to yell. We'll find, we'll see. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, all right. That's really going to do it for us today. This has gone on long enough and I've enjoyed every Swayze second of it. This has been excellent. I love it. I might have to like change my intro because I've kind of stepped away, not away, but I've incorporated more of these, you know, actor episodes and movies. So it isn't just the shows that I love. So I may need to work on a little rewording, rebranding, but I love doing these because it gives me a chance to watch these titles that clearly I haven't seen before and maybe not had any interest to see ever. And it really just building that appreciation for an actor that You know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, Patrick Swayze, I like him, I love him, you know, Dirty Dancing, Ghost, Roadhouse. But I really think people should go and make sure that they're taking a good long look at not just these movies, but his his skills. And then and then to look into it. Yeah. And to look into it a little bit 
And like we said, not half how he doesn't half ass any of it. He so, really doesn't. It's amazing. He's yeah. he he conveys so much in the face and the eyes and and all that emotion that it's it really just it pulls you in. Plus, he's just very easy on the eyes to let that happen. So that makes it that that helps. Yeah, it, it, it does. So he's definitely yeah. more than some of those you know big name roles that you think of when you hear his name. So I I think people definitely need to make sure that they're going out and giving all of these movies a proper chance. Uh, any of his other movies. And please, please watch Skate Town USA. Yes. <laughs> Cannot recommend that movie highly. If enough. that's a parting suggestion, I think that's great. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Eric and Adam, for joining me today. Oh, and thanks for having thank us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you, Bubblies, for listening. And keep streaming. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at BuyMeACoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.